0: to the best of Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. Tonight's program is a rebroadcast from April 18, 1995. Please do not call.
1: From the high desert and the great American Southwest, I bid you all good evening or good morning as the case may be across all these many time zones. And welcome to another edition of Coast to Coast AM live talk radio throughout the nighttime. It's good to be here. Um, we're going to do something a little different first. You may recall, I think it was the end of last week. Yes, it was Saturday morning. I read you a story that was faxed to me by somebody in Columbia, Missouri, and I thought it incredible. The uh, story is uh, entitled "Kansas City Man Tries to Build Time Machine on Porch." Now, in case you don't remember the uh, the the general tenure of the article, I'm going to remind you now. Kansas City Associated Press. When a Missouri factory worker set out to make a time machine on his back porch, the contraption he came up with was not completely off the mark, theoretically, according to scientists. But the high-voltage electrical transformer that Michael Markham had hooked up to two vertical metal rods would more likely have killed him or blown up his house than carried him into the past or future. Time travel, though enticingly possible in the mathematics of Einstein's theory of relativity, is not likely in the physical universe, they say. Uh, They go on, quote, it is a very interesting area, though. There are theoretical physicists working on those areas, and I will not say that it's total nonsense. This was according to um, the uh, chairman at the physics department at the University of Missouri at Kansas City but he went on it's not something that you can demonstrate with batteries and i guess that was michael's problem so are the stanbury police who say the voltage that Markham had diverted into the contraption caused power interruptions in and around the northwest missouri town of about thirteen hundred markham had connected the metal rods to the terminals of a transformer one of six stolen from a utility company in hopes of creating a large spark gap with ascending electrical arcs. Markham was arrested January 29th on a felony charge of stealing the Transformers from a Saint Joseph light and power generating station in King City. He pleaded guilty last month, was placed on five years probation. Police said the Transformers had a capacity of 12 to 76,000 volts each enough to easily cause electrocution or an explosion Markham who told police that he has two years of college level electrical engineering said he was building a time machine but didn't have enough power for it Uh, that's according to the Stanbury police chief Tom Hampton Hampton said quote he's not nuts he appears to be an intelligent person with a lack of common sense maybe Hampton said Markham told officers he had not tried to enter the uh, spark gap, and neither had anyone else. If anyone had, they probably would would have been electrocuted, not transported in time. Presumably, he decided that if he got enough electricity together, he could build a time machine, because there is the concept that if you're going to do it, it's going to require an enormous amount of energy. So there it was, and um, you know me, and these kinds of stories and how I'm fascinated by time so I set out to find young Mr. Markham and I found him I found him It wasn't easy I went through a couple of uh, our affiliates and then I just uh, started going to uh, phone directories and uh, rooting about and uh, lo and behold there was a new number and it was um, it was Michaels and I've got Michael here and so i thought i would ask him and i did a little earlier today and we're going to go through it right now and find out exactly what it is michael was trying to do we'll get back to him in just a moment Michael, are you there? Uh, yeah. Good. Uh, first of all, had you heard that story before? Oh, the, about, uh, the, yeah, the one I just read. Oh uh, yeah. You've heard that, huh? Yeah. It's like I'm
2: like collecting clippings on it now. Oh, you are. Yeah.
1: How old are you, Michael?
2: Uh, 21.
1: 21. Pretty young.
2: Yeah, very.
1: Um, now, let's go kind of back through the story like you and I did. Uh, earlier today uh... this all began well why did it go that's a good question i didn't even ask that why did this begin in the first place what were you trying to do in the first place
2: uh... originally i just set out to make a fancy jacob's ladder and this was like what i got what it turned, what it turned out to be uh... uh... I didn't that's know.
3: Like...
1: Right. a lot of people don't know what a jacob's ladder is tell them what it is
2: uh, simply in a nutshell it's uh... A, a, like two metal rods with a spark going up in between it, and once it reaches the top, it starts back to the bottom again.
1: So, zzz, 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 that yeah. kind of deal, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Like from a Frankenstein movie. Yeah,
2: that's uh, like that's where they got started at.
1: Okay, well there are ways to do that. The Van de Graaff generator, for example. You familiar with that?
2: Uh, yeah.
1: Uh, but you were going to do it with, uh, well, ac- actually, how were you going to do it? So. You- you told me something about winding your own transformer uh
2: yeah that's uh uh that's what i originally did uh and it's like it was- it's uh, i like used uh, the it was like real touchy and what i did was i used the la- uh use a laser a uh, modified c d laser for it
1: well uh, let's stay with the transformer for a moment. Yeah. How did you wind this transformer
3: how did you do that
2: oh well it's pretty simple really but uh uh Oh, you just take uh, these metal, pl- uh, took these metal plates and glued them together.
1: Glued them together, yeah. Yeah, and there's
2: and most trans in the simplest transformers, just, uh, there's the two coils, your primary and your secondary. Right. And uh, uh and
1: it's uh. Is it uh, like is it like making a giant ball of string or something? In other words, you just keep winding and winding and winding it around.
2: Uh yeah it, well it's there's like technical things uh, but uh simply yeah simply put it's like yes like uh your primary coil will have like maybe 400 turns or it depends on how many watts you want to make it to right so let's say it's four uh let's say it's 400 turns in your primary and there's say there's 4,000 turns in your secondary mm-hmm well ten times the turns and then you'll get ten times the voltage right yeah
1: right okay so you you is that about what you did uh Four hundred and four thousand.
2: Well, the, the the small transformer had changed a hundred. I don't know how many turns. I lost count. I never bothered to count the second to, about four hundred fifty turns in the primary.
1: So you just um, kept winding. <laughs> yeah,
2: until it got roughly twenty thousand volts.
1: Twenty thousand volts. Yeah. So you went from a hundred and ten to twenty thousand.
2: Yeah, roughly.
1: Roughly. Um, all right. Um, with uh, without, I take it very much current.
2: Well. Uh, actually quite a bit, about roughly, it was, about three, it was drawing about 3,000 watts, so. Oh. Yeah, so I was, I was, let's see, uh, it was probably about uh, about Tenth of an amp.
3: Tenth of an amp. All yeah, right. well, that's considered a when it's
2: yeah. twenty thousand
1: volts behind it. Oh yeah, that would knock you right on your butt. Oh yeah. Um. Like, so so then you did this, you built this thing, and you had the arc, and you, you were able to achieve the arc. Is that correct? Yeah. All right. So here you have this beautiful arc like, And or, or or was it not quite going the way you wanted it to?
2: Uh. Well, it was like a little bit touch. It was like kind of touchy because it's like uh. Like the bar, the bottom of the metal rods. Right. And where the spark starts, if they're too close together, the spark will stick. But if they're too far apart, it it won't arc at all. So it's uh, and it's like I was like, it was like real touchy. If I move it a fraction of a millimeter, the thing stuck. And if I move it too far apart, it doesn't do anything. So what I did was what I set out to do is like uh, use the laser, like use the heat from a laser to to
1: like, get it started or yeah, something?
2: like get it going by itself.
1: I see, the heat from a laser—that's interesting. So it would—the uh, heat from a laser would attract the spark, sort of.
2: Well, in a way, the, see, the the heat from the laser lowers the resistance to the air. Is what it does.
1: Right. Gotcha. Yeah. So uh, you 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 got this laser by how'd you get the laser?
2: Uh, oh, well, I practically made it from scratch. I took a CD laser and redid all the electronics in it, like. Uh, like kind of like reinforcing
1: it, you'd say. Uh, a CD laser. So you tore apart a CD player. Yeah. <laughs> and and so then you got you got the laser. Did it do what you wanted it to to do? You know, start the spark?
2: Uh, yeah. It's it's like I had some other effects I didn't expect.
1: <laughs> well, and therein lies the story. Other effects you didn't expect, like what?
2: Well, it's like a. Uh there's like that spark's pretty hot so you're gonna have like a heat signature like right above it. But uh You mean it's, kind
1: of like a haze a hazy uh glow or something?
2: Well kinda like like wavy. If you ever like if you like take a, a lighter and like look right above it you'll see like you'll like see like the heat from it. That's right. You know. It's like real faint. But uh now I was expecting uh, I know that it was going to be like a, probably an extra like like a bigger heat signature from the laser, but uh, uh, this one was like strange, like a, almost uh, right above it. It was like the regular uh, heat signature, but there was like a uh, kind of like it was like almost kind of like uh, circular shaped in the center,
1: sort of like a um,
4: a glow.
2: Uh, it's not really a glow. It's like if, if you don't really look at it, you can't see it. Uh, it's like an. It's like normal. No. no
1: Is but, it like um? Well, you know when you're out in the desert in the middle of summer and you see the shimmering coming off a road? Uh, yeah. Is it like that?
2: Yeah, but yeah, but it's it's like and normally those are just wavy lines, straight up and down, kinda. Right. But uh, this one had the straight up and down ones. They were like kind of like. Uh, uh, circuit, it's like, kind of like a circular shape in the center. Huh. And that was like, I was, it's like, I didn't know what the, at first I didn't know what it was. I'm not 100% certain now. It's, why it's like, that's what I'm working on now. trying to.
1: Like, oh, wait a minute now, wait a minute. You're back at this again? Huh? You're back at this again, are you?
2: Uh, yeah, I'm just like picking up where I left off, but this time I'm like, now, do anything illegal no one when,
1: when i we'll get to that when i called you earlier today you said um gee it's while well you caught me or something i i just got out of jail you uh, just you got, well, I got
2: out of jail like uh i got out of jail march 30th
1: so. march oh march 30th well that's pretty much just out of jail yeah and uh, you're able to do this program tonight because you are more or less not not employed
2: uh, yeah, I got all kinds of free time right now.
1: <laughs> were, were you employed, uh, Michael, um at at, at at back when you got in trouble? Uh
2: when I was arrested, uh, yeah I was.
1: So did this... in fact
2: I was like supposed to go to work the next day.
1: So in other I words, got arrested. So in other words, this cost you your job?
2: Uh in a because... There's like other things branching off this, but my boss thought it contaminated his plant with PCBs, but that's another story.
1: What? <laughs> I guess from the Transformers, huh?
2: Yeah, because uh, one of the Transformers that...
1: Well, wait a minute. We're getting ahead of ourselves here. Yeah. All right, let's 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 go back. We're, we're, see, we're with your first small contraption. That's all I can think of to call it. And um, you told me something about throwing a, a bolt or a screw or something.
2: Uh, Yeah, a sheet metal screw. Um uh, See, I didn't know what this thing was, and it was like, I don't know, I just got the notion to throw a screw in it to see, like, what it did, because <laughs> uh, I never saw anything like that before. And
3: so, I'm
1: like,
2: so, like testing it.
1: Wh- wh- yeah, a screw, I guess, would be as good as anything else. Yeah. Mine might do that, too. All right, so you threw a screw into the...
2: Circular thing. Yes. Circular vortex. area. Yeah, it's like uh, uh, a couple of... Ph- I've talked to a couple of physicists, they, uh, they call it a vortex, but... Um,
1: All right, you threw it into what we'll call the vortex. Yeah. All right, what happened to the screw? Uh,
2: well, I had this thing sitting on sitting on a table, right? Yeah. And uh, I threw it in there, and uh, it like I didn't see it after that.
1: It, it disappeared.
2: Yeah, roughly. I like did it three times. I, I could. Uh, it's like uh, my laser burned up, so I knew it'd do that. I just didn't think it'd do it so quick, but
1: uh, uh. So it probably provided uh, such a high SWR, it's called standing wave ratio, to the laser that it burned it up.
2: Uh, yeah, because uh, I like kind of like over. Uh, I knew it. It's like uh, it's like pushing that farther than it was designed for is what it was.
1: Mm-hmm. But you're telling me this thing disappeared.
2: Uh, yeah, it either, it either it's in. That's what I'm trying to figure out right now. It did, it did one or two things. It went half a second into the future, and then it caught up with it, or it uh, made, I made like a real intense magnetic field. And that's what, I'm like, that's what I'm trying to figure out right now.
1: All right. This is fascinating, uh, Michael. It really is because uh, there are aspects of what you have done that are very much like I've interviewed the people who did the Philadelphia experiment, Michael.
2: Yeah, that's what the Montauk Project is. Like yeah, and you're of
1: that. and you're you're messing with the same sort of stuff. You're messing with the same sort of stuff. Oh well, anyway, all right. So continue with the story. We you you got this? It disappeared. You blew up your laser, and then you sat there thinking, "Wow, I did something different here."
2: Yeah, it's like it freaked me out. It's like a, at first I thought I was seeing things, but uh.
1: So what did you do? Go away and think about it for a day or two or a week? Or when did you finally get this brilliant light bulb of an idea to build a larger unit?
2: Well, it's like a, a half. It's like a, a half a second is not not very much. But uh, I figured if I make a, a bigger one, it'd send it farther. That way, I could really like tell if it's like really like if I was like sending it through time, or if I was just sending it through an intense magnetic field.
1: Well. um Right. Oh, so, but what I mean is, how long did you think about whether you wanted to build a? Did it occur to you right away when you blew up your little one? I'm going to build a bigger one.
2: Uh. Well, first, I, first I was like after that after that thing burned out, uh After all, after literally after all the smoke cleared.
1: Uh, smoke. Yeah. In other words, there was sort of a reaction to the screw. Well.
2: No, the, where the laser, uh, when I say the laser burned up, it literally caught fire. The electronics caught fire. Yeah,
1: oh, that's bad. Well, yeah. all right. So, so your equipment was smoldering.
2: Yeah, uh, and it's like I was, I was, either, I was thinking about, uh, thinking about just like rebuilding the laser because the basic part of the laser is fine, but the part of the electronics, like they were like totally ruined. Uh, and I was thinking. uh
1: just rebuild the electronics and try it again.
2: Yeah, that's what I was thinking about doing, but I figured, uh, if I'm going to, re- if I'm going because, uh, basically I almost have to start from scratch except building the transformer. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so I figured I'd make a, just a bigger version of what I did.
1: So, wanting a big transformer, uh, you needed a lot of voltage to do this, right?
2: Uh, yeah. Yes. 2,000 volts of arc, but, uh, uh, It's like uh, 2,000 volts. That's like very touchy.
1: And uh, 10,000 or 20,000 volts uh, really arcs. Uh,
2: Yeah. Well, it's uh, wattage make it make it arc. A welder will arc when it's only it's only like 10 volts because there's so much amperage behind it.
3: That's uh, right. Mm
2: -hmm. uh, uh, But uh, but you have to like get it real close. It's like uh and it's, at two thousand volts, you it, it has to be within like half the bottom the space point twi- uh the space between the rods at the bottom has to be like half a millimeter apart for a arc.
1: How uh far apart were your two rods on the first small machine you built?
2: Uh about two inches.
1: Two inches? Oh that's pretty good space. Yeah. Um so then um it dawns on you let's build a big one. Yeah. So now I didn't ask you about this earlier, but in order to get enough uh voltage and current You needed a big transformer. Now, it's true the power company has big transformers. Yeah. Really nice ones. Yeah. And um, how did it dawn on you to, what's the word we should use, borrow one of the, or several of the power company's transformers?
2: Uh, How did I get the idea for it?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, you knew you knew you needed a transformer. How did it occur to you? Well, to... Uh,
2: originally what I was going to do is I was like uh, I was like originally going to like buy them. Like there's like a, a transformer company in Kansas City. that makes them for the power company. And
1: uh, well, there was an idea.
2: Yeah, but uh, it's like uh, I could have like saved my money and bought and bought those, but those are expensive.
1: How much is a transformer? Just out of curiosity. Uh,
2: well, give you a idea when I, buy, when I buy them from the factory, I buy them at wholesale. But the, the St. Joseph Light and Power, the power company I stole them from, uh, they're, they value the six transformers that took. They value them at $13,600-some dollars.
1: Oh, my. Uh, so that's not shoplifting. All right, Michael, hold on a moment. We've got a little business to do here, and we'll get right back to you. My guest... Um, My guest is a very unusual person. My guest is Michael Markham, and uh, he's in the business of building a time machine. All right, so uh, here we are, wanting now to build our big, at this point, what were you calling it, by the way? Obviously, it was no little entertainment thing anymore.
2: Uh, Well, like I said, I'm not sure what this thing was. It was either a 10th magnetic field or or some sort of time machine.
1: Well, actually, it would have been a combination of electrical and uh, a magnetic field, I guess. Yeah. Um, so anyway, you, plans got big. You decided you wanted to build a great big one. so according to the story, you had two big poles on your porch. Is that correct? Uh,
2: yeah, 3-8-inch three three metal rods.
1: Really? How yeah. big? You mean how long? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, roughly four feet.
1: Oh, that would have made a big spark. Yep. Big spark. And uh, so you had the, the rods, and you needed the transformers desperately. Yeah. You probably could have saved up for it, but you didn't. You made a mistake. Yeah. And um, you, in a hurry. And so what did you do? Did you sneak into their yard?
2: Oh, you mean
1: the, the? In other words, how'd you get the transformers? You didn't heist them off a pole, of course.
2: Oh, heck, no. Uh-huh, so. They were noticed immediately. They were gone then. But uh, these it, these were just uh, sitting by a, a substation in King City. Just sitting there. They were just sitting. Yeah, just sitting, they've been uh, they've been sitting there for ever since I moved to Missouri. So.
1: You hated to see them uh, languishing without use.
2: Yeah. Well, they were just sitting there rusting. Uh
1: uh-huh.
2: And heck. They don't, they don't even use them. In fact, right now they just got them put away for safekeeping. They say so.
1: Probably historical record.
2: Yeah, yeah, now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, what did you do? Take a pickup truck? Uh, those things are heavy, aren't they?
2: Uh, yeah, uh, the biggest one I had. The biggest one I had weighed 350 pounds.
1: Ooh. Well, then you must have had. An accomplice. Yeah, a couple of them. A Couple of them?
2: Yeah, I don't I haven't talked to them. One, uh, their court date was the same as mine, and they didn't look too happy with me.
1: So. I'm sure they weren't. Uh-huh. So anyway, somehow uh, you talked them into helping you out in this venture. Yeah. And you snuck down there, no doubt, late at night.
2: Well, it was right. In, it was right in broad daylight. Broad daylight. Yeah, roughly eleven o'clock in the morning. Really? Yeah.
1: Wow. And so in broad daylight, you took the Transformers, loaded them up in a pickup truck, I guess? Yeah. And hauled them to your house? Yep. I see. And you had how many of them? Six. Why six, Michael? Well, uh, I, mean, I mean, why did you feel you needed six?
2: Well, originally, I just want to take a couple of them, but it's like a.
1: You got carried away?
2: Yeah, pretty much.
1: I see. All right, uh, so you got the Transformers to your house, and um, then you, um, I guess, hooked up the secondary. Uh, No, it would have been the primary of the Transformer to the poles, correct?
2: Uh, Yeah, basically I just hooked it backwards.
1: Yeah, that's right, backwards. So the primary was hooked to poles, the secondary. You hooked up to the power coming into your home?
2: Uh, Yeah.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Um. What happened when you did that by the way
2: uh well it's i didn't get to the the big version of it I didn't get the laser part yet. I was going to order that from uh, new jersey
1: had you uh see had you uh had you produced a large spark with it
2: uh yeah uh, the see I, that's another thing too for I, I was like arrested on the thirtieth and uh on February third, I was going to order. I was going to get, pick up like a sixty feet worth of cable so I can reinforce the cable to my house. So,
1: you mean was, you mean actually coming in from the pole? Uh, yeah. Uh, what were you going to do? Climb the pole?
2: Uh, pretty much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Michael.
2: Because uh, I figured if I called the power company and had them reinforce the cable to my house, I'd like draw suspicion. So.
1: Uh huh. Um. So. So. Well, I'm sure it would. Uh, yes, it would. <laughs> would want to know why.
2: Yeah. well Why I'd need a cable that carries 2,000 amps instead of the usual 200.
1: <laughs> now. So you. You did though. You nevertheless uh... hooked it up and you. You turned it on, didn't you?
2: Uh. Yeah. I hooked up the smallest one that I could hook up without like, overloading the cable and causing a fire.
1: Yeah. What happened?
2: Uh. Well, it's pretty. Just that in itself is it just like a. A giant Jacob's ladder, like a how 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 um
1: how far apart were you able to get these poles and still produce the spark?
2: Uh, about eighteen inches.
1: Eighteen inches.
2: yes yeah, it, it was a uh, the it was the smallest one I uh, had. It was uh, changed a uh, uh, two, changed two forty to twelve
3: thousand
1: four hundred seventy. Twelve thousand four hundred seventy. Um, so. When you did this, according to the newspaper, you blacked out or browned out portions of your whole town. Is that correct?
2: Uh, Yeah, I was like overloading the power grid because I was drawing more power than I thought it was.
1: Well, what got you caught? Was that what got you caught?
2: Uh, No. uh, 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 In a a nutshell, uh, a a friend of mine was uh, at my house as well.
1: Uh, Somebody squealed on you.
2: I don't know. I don't know what happened, but uh, exactly, and I'll probably never know. That's in the past. I ain't really worried about that now. But uh, what happened was a friend of mine, like from my house, uh, uh, shot a BB gun, like shot up my next door neighbor's flying glass door window.
3: Uh Oh.
2: Yeah, and I got the cops snooping around. So.
1: And they just happened to see this. Incredible rig on your porch.
2: Uh, no, they came, that's, uh, that happened at roughly, uh, I can't remember. This was, this was, I guess it was back in the end of January. Probably happened around, uh, Noon, or, noon, or one o'clock, or something like that, mm-hmm. and uh, they came by. They came by with a search warrant at eleven o'clock at night. So, so
1: obviously they had seen it then, and they decided. We well, they have... never been in the house. Right, but they didn't have to be to see the porch, did they?
2: Well, it was like the porch was closed in, and oh, all, all awesome. the windows were boarded up.
1: Oh, I see.
2: Yeah, like stu- stuff
1: like that, like kind of keep out of sight. Could it? Could it be? I guess, uh, Michael, when you started a big gap, an eighteen-inch gap like that. It would have created an intense white light.
2: Uh, Well, let's see. It was a 5,000 watt spark, so
1: it was. It would have been very intense, and uh, from maybe from your neighbor's perspective, Michael, they would hear this, (laughs) and their lights would dim, and they'd look over at yeah, they'd look over at your porch, and they'd see this white light streaming out from all the little cracks and places, and they'd get worried. Could that be?
2: Uh, that's a possibility. Hmm. But, uh,
3: all right, all right. Uh, so, no, the
2: main thing they were like, see, it's like a, there was like a. That's reason. Kind of. One, that's one of the reasons I moved from Stampbury because uh, half that town wants my head on a pole. I have the feeling.
1: You mean they don't like you now?
2: Uh, well, it's like I I don't know if this is like. I don't know if this is just another unfounded rumor or not. But like uh, a lot of those people's television sets are ruined and stuff like that because uh, I was like drawing so much power and it's like uh like, normally it's between 110 and 120-volt outlet. And, well, it's like a, they were estimating, this is, this is what I've heard. I don't know if it's a fact or not, but they were estimating. I was, like, bringing it down to, like, 80 volts, 89 volts.
1: That is damaging to electronic gear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people in town with appliances that now our door stops are probably not happy with you.
2: Uh, yeah, pretty much. Most of, the, most of them, though. Uh, most of it is just uh, like uh, lights with flicker, like dim real bad and stuff like that. But uh, evidently, it's people that were just having to be watching TV when I operated. It. They operated that thing at night too, so, <laughs> so
3: yes, uh, that way,
2: you know, not, not a, lot of, whole, a whole lot of people. Are like I hadn't, see at first when I hooked this thing up, I thought it, it was it's a it was a 5,000 watt spark. I figured, it'd be well. that's... See these transformers and fish. I first thought they would be. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, it was like drawing a heck of a lot more than I thought.
1: A lot more current. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you weren't going to walk into the middle of that spark gap, were you?
2: Uh no. Uh, I was like, if well, like made the big version. If it did the same thing, I was like going like do like throw something else for it. like uh, not uh, something that's like. Uh, uh,
1: something a little bigger than a screw to disappear, maybe.
2: Yeah, like maybe an orange or something like that. And if it came out like in one piece without getting fried or crisp, then
1: then you would have walked in.
2: Well, there's other things too. It's like the Philadelphia experiment. The uh, people were like, uh, from what I've heard, people were
1: buried in the deck.
2: Yeah, embedded in walls and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, because you can't tell where you're coming back out.
2: Yeah, because you you lose uh, you lose your time lock, but.
1: Uh, would you have eventually done it if the orange came out okay and then maybe you tossed a cat in or something? Uh, <laughs> the cat came out of I was going to say that, but I figured. You were going to toss a cat in.
2: Uh, well, if everything else came out all right, like totally unscathed.
1: Then then the cat would have gone like,
2: in. Like I, Well, I'd probably try something that was alive and small, like a grasshopper or something like that.
1: That would be good. Yeah. Before the cat yeah all right Michael hold on we'll be right back to you <laughs> we uh, we're going to find out what he's experimenting with right now and I may take a couple calls here all right Michael are you there Yes. Good, Michael. Um, now you're a free man again, out of out of the pokey, and ready to begin experiments. I've just learned all over again. You're going to do this again, huh? Uh,
2: yeah, pretty much.
1: Pretty much. Well, you don't give up easily. I'll say that for you. Uh, nope. By the way, what everybody think of you when you were in jail? I assume you told them this story. Uh, no. Well, you-
2: until the media started taking it seriously, everybody thought I was a nutcase
1: mm mm-hmm. um, you sound sane to me,
0: yeah, pretty much uh
1: a little on the wild side, but sane anyway, so what are you gonna do now uh you're gonna re- how are you gonna rebuild it in other words
2: uh right now, well, right now, I'm just uh, basically saving my money in a while uh, do what I originally set out to do buy 'em.
1: You gonna buy the transformers uh, yep what would be the legality of your using them if you bought them? Uh, would that be be perfectly legal? should be
2: I mean as long as I don't like no I like might get into EPA violations if I like take them apart and like get oil all over the place and stuff like that, but as long as I don't do anything like that
1: you mentioned you lost your job. How did your employer think you polluted his workplace with pcps I mean you you had not taken these apart, right?
2: Well, one of them I couldn't use, and uh, I didn't really want to, like, take it back there and, like, get caught taking it back. So I uh, figured I might as well strip the copper out of it and sell the copper.
1: So you took it apart?
2: Uh, yeah. And while I was originally, I didn't really just dump it on the porch. I was I was kind of like an accident, but uh, I was, like, taking the oil and uh, putting it in a plastic waste basket well it's like uh this was like a, a three thousand only a three thousand watt transformer that's pretty small for pole like uh hey, yeah. utility pole mm-hmm. but uh uh it weighs like 150 pounds and uh, i was like the only one doing it and my finger slipped and i ended up dropping it and dumping like 10 gallons of oil all over the back porch oops yeah and any anyway uh i uh, ended up getting it all over me too because it splattered and uh, evidently, the, the, uh, anyhow, was like a got all the back porch. Well, anyhow, the shoes that I, uh, that I was wearing at the time, are also the shoes that I wear to work. Work. And he thought I tracked PCBs into it, into where where I used to work. He thought I tracked them into his plant. I tracked PCBs in his plant.
1: I see. And so that was the end of your job.
2: Uh, well, I, he didn't really say that, but uh, I have that feeling because uh, he, like, asked me uh, who and all was in my house, who and all was, was around those Transformers and stuff like that.
3: hmm Has the EPA
1: knocked on your door yet, Michael?
2: Uh, no, it, it turns it turns out uh, that was just, it turns out the Transformer I took apart, uh, I tried telling them that, but they wouldn't take my word for it. The Transformer I took apart is, like, too old. It was even it was darned old. It, it was, like, too old. It was, like, four PCPs were around. It turned out just to be plain old crude oil.
1: Oh, I'm sure you were personally relieved a little about that.
2: Well, it's like I almost—I was almost certain that that was all it was because uh, the. Tra- uh, well, I'll put it this way: the last time that the uh, transformer was even checked was in 1924.
1: So. I see. Well, um so you're going to try this again. You're going to save up money, buy the stuff, and try it again. Are you going to do it on the big scale the way you did last time?
2: Uh, yeah, pretty much. It'll just. Uh, right now, I mean, uh...
1: Going to be on your back porch?
2: Uh, well, uh, I'm living in an apartment right now, and... Oh.
3: I'm,
2: yeah, I'm on the third floor, too, so I'll probably move before I do that. Like
1: That that might be good. Yeah. That might be good. That might not go well in an apartment.
2: Yeah, plus the power that's going, that's, uh, going to my apartment is only 10,000 watts, so if I draw more than that, I'll overload the transformer and blow it.
1: Just a theoretical question for you. Um let's say that you produced a time machine, Michael, and you actually managed to go either forward or reverse in time. Um what would you use it for? Uh
2: the time machine? Uh-huh. Uh heck, there's possibilities are endless. Uh, pretty
1: much. <laughs> yeah, I guess they are. Um I I guess I'm asking Michael, would you use it to make money? Uh
2: That'd be one of the things to do. It wouldn't be the only thing I'd do. I mean give you, like give an example uh, uh like uh, right now there's like an AIDS plague, kind of like a twentieth century black death, but that's right, yeah, you know, so i uh, I don't know exactly when they're going to have like a vaccine for AIDS or anything like that, but
1: but you might try to bring one back uh, yeah that's that's a good answer. Yeah. Um, Michael, um, let Same me... Same thing with cancer and stuff like that. Well, it's true. It is true. Um, let me bring a caller on and see. And every line is lit up here, and I'm curious what the audience has to say about this. Uh, east of the Rockies, you're on the air with Michael Markham.
5: Yes, hi. Maureen from Redding, California. Yes. Hi. Hi. Um, unless I'm misunderstanding uh, your guest there and yourself... Um, I am just really blown away by exactly what you have been talking about because I've always been real impressed with you, Art, as far as, um, I, I've always thought you as to be a person of high intelligence, what have you, um, your guest you've had on your show in the past, I've always been impressed with that, but this has got to be the lamest thing I've ever heard in my life.
1: You don't believe it?
5: Well, it's basically, um, Let's let's teach somebody how to make an atomic bomb, what
1: have you. Uh, what do you I mean, think about that, Michael? How do you feel about that? Would you build an atomic bomb if you could? Uh, build
2: an atomic bomb. Uh, no, I doubt no,
1: it. See, he wouldn't go for an atomic bomb, man. Uh He's no, but, he's talking about time travel. Now, what's so right. bad about that? Well, it, I just, I mean, do you think it's dangerous or what?
5: No, well, um, I think it's... I think it's just very dangerous as far as um, I'm sure some of the listeners that you that you have. Okay, that, okay. Maybe
1: this will help. Maybe this will help, ma'am. Listen, everybody. Do not try this oh, at oh, home.
5: Yeah. Well, see, basically you're going step by step by step. You That's know, right. Him.
1: We absolutely are. That's right.
5: Why are you doing that?
1: Well, why do you think, are you worried that somebody's going to do this at home and fry themselves? Of
5: course, of course. There's idiots out there in the world, Well, yeah, but
1: but, ma'am, there are people, uh, I could interview somebody who walked off a cliff.
5: Uh Do you
1: think that that would mean that my listeners would walk off a cliff?
5: I really doubt you would have a guest on there who would try to to walk off a cliff. I, I have always looked at you...
1: But, as, but what I'm saying is... My
5: opinion of you has always been a person... I've, I really admire you, Art Bell.
1: Now you're disappointed.
5: And I enjoy your show, and you're a very intelligent human being. I am totally blown away that you would have somebody such as the guest you have on tonight. Why? And I'm sorry if I'm...
1: Well, the question is why?
5: Because of...
1: The, all this... The, the all...
5: subject that you are discussing... Um, you know, yes. basically, there are adults out there in this world who have a childlike mind who will be, um, ignorant enough to try this kind of thing at home.
1: Okay. And all right. All right. Thank you. Uh, Michael?
5: Yeah.
1: Uh, I'm going to hold you over a little bit. This is too much fun. And I'm not going to go through it again, but it's entitled Kansas City Man Tries to Build Time Machine on Porch. Now, uh, long story uh, short, he built a small, um, well, it wasn't supposed to be a time machine to begin with. It was just supposed to produce an arc and be cool. And uh, he, uh, his small model, uh, which he used a laser from a CD to cause the spark to begin to move up uh, Jacob's ladder. It's what it's called, Jacob's ladder. Um, uh, when he got it all going, he noticed a very strange um, a sort of shimmery effect above the arc, and he threw a screw into it, common screw and the screw disappeared well now we're into something else so um, our hero michael uh... went over to the power company and appropriated stole uh... six power transformers which he then hooked up to his line at home and made a giant model on his back porch using two gigantic poles uh, about four feet high and uh, he got himself a big uh, jacobs ladder he also uh, ruined a number of appliances uh, browned out most of the town that he lives in and uh, that of course is where the police entered the picture and appropriated uh, michael's transformers he lost his job he went to jail he's recently out i somehow found him yesterday we've been interviewing him for an hour and um, we will continue to do so in a moment every line is jam-packed full so a lot of people want to talk to michael Uh, A couple of faxes that have come in. Here's one. Art, all my life I've been reading books and collections of unsolved mysteries and events. Several times I've come across a story about archaeologists discovering a perfectly machined, completely modern sheet metal screw. This screw was embedded in a piece of quartz that is at least 10 million years old. This has always been a totally unexplainable unsolved mystery until tonight dave in new brownville texas then this great joe art if time travel is possible be aware the earth solar system and universe are traveling thousands of miles per hour if michael screws traveled through time they'd be far from here in space that's from uh, albany oregon and this, I'm going to fax a diagram to you, basically what your guest is talking about, except that it will not work with electrical energy. A massive power source, such as your guest is speaking about, would create something that is more than anyone at this time would want to deal with. This system was being played with in Colorado, without getting into names, using low-frequency EMF. This, hey Art, I think the time machine idea is interesting, but Did the bolt come back exactly the same? Was the bolt uh, analyzed to see if the material had changed at all? And on and on and on. I've got a whole pile of faxes here. Michael, did anybody analyze the bolt? Uh,
2: uh, No. No. Just by by looking at it, uh, uh, it weighed the same. It looked the same. It it looks exactly the way it did before I threw it in.
1: So the bolt literally disappeared from view. I mean when you threw it in and it went into the field, Michael, it uh in other words it disappeared when it came back. Was it still suspended in air and then did it drop down or
4: what?
2: Well, uh like I said, this thing was like sitting on a table, right? Uh normally when you like like throw something, it will like follow a pra- uh, parabola and land. That's right. Well, so, uh I didn't see it like go through the air. I uh, just saw it appear on the table.
1: Wow. So, it, in other words, you threw it, and in midair, it literally disappeared. And when next you saw it, it was laying on the table.
2: Yeah, and I did that three times because I figured, well, maybe I'd, like, miss miss seeing it, like, go through the air.
1: And the third time you did it, I take it, that's when your laser blew up.
2: Yeah. I was, I was like, going through that several times. I was, uh, I was like, want to, like, turn it off and a camcorder and get
1: it on tape. Oh, boy, I wish you'd done that. Yeah, but... Sure you do too. Yeah. These are always things though that you think about later. Um let's uh keep perusing the phone lines here and see what people have to say about us. It. really interesting. Uh, east of the Rockies, uh you're on the air with Michael Markham. Hi. Hi, right,
0: this is Stanbury, Missouri. Are you arresting I... officer?
1: Oh uh you are the uh, Tom Hampton. Hi, Mike, how you doing,
0: boy? Hey, you put up my diary, don't you? You bet, sit here on desk.
1: You are the arresting officer? Yes, sir. Uh, well, I'll be darned. Uh, <laughs> wow. It's it's uh, great to meet you. I don't know if it's great for Michael. Uh, are you guys friends?
0: Well, are we friends, Mike? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sort of. Uh, 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 uh.
1: Well, listen, um, maybe, uh, officer, you can give us all of this from your perspective. What did you find when you arrived at Michael's house?
0: Well, we uh, knocked on the door. There was eight of us in the 13th. Eight of you? Yes. Uh, there's one officer in Stanbury, and we had uh, county deputies and Missouri Highway Patrol. To let,
1: let, let, let me back up a little, officer. Well, you you got a search warrant, yes, sir. Obviously, because you you know you suspected something was going on. What was the basis of the warrant? What did you think was going on there?
0: Uh, we had received information that uh, Michael had uh, these transformers in his residence, and that they were had been stolen, and after. Checking with my local utility, which we have our own utility service here in Stanbury, uh, we found out they were from here. We checked with St. Joe and Power out of King City, and uh, that's the man didn't know they were gone until we called him. And that's where we found out they were stolen. And we had, with the information we had, it gave us enough information to go ahead and get a uh, search
1: warrant. So uh, you 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 got access to the resident with a warrant and uh, look what did you find?
0: Well, we found Michael asleep we had to wake him up and uh that and we found the uh transformer he'd made into a piggy bag uh in the uh i guess you'd call it a dining room a On the back porch was the transformer that he'd used to make his Jacob's ladder and then there were four more transformers in a uh second uh secondary bedroom
1: uh-huh um and so then uh, off off michael went to uh the pokey I presume.
0: Yes, uh with the, as we call it, the Albany Hilton <laughs> he <began> in jail. <laughs>
1: um, well this is uh, quite an incredible story. Um how did you feel that I mean, did you think you were dealing with a madman or what?
0: Uh no, I had uh, met Mike oh, I guess by the second day after he came back into the, or came into the state on another search warrant deal. I see. And uh in just a little bit that day. He appeared to be an intelligent person, uh, what I considered above average intelligence sometimes. And uh, then he was here in Stanbury. I had calls because people didn't know who he was, you know, a stranger from out of town. He
1: uh, he says he's not particularly welcome in that town now. That a number of people feel as though their appliances may have gone belly up because of his experiments.
0: Well, I haven't uh, personally had any, any uh, comments of that nature. I did hear your earlier part of your broadcast where you, you uh, browned out the majority of town, which was not right. It was just a small section, uh, approximately uh, two blocks, uh, where we had a little problem where the lights would flicker and brown out a little bit. <laughs> uh,
1: had this been occurring frequently?
0: Uh no it uh, actually had it uh, happened a few times and it it quit having happening with that app from Mike that he yeah. uh moved his experiment to later at night when people would't notice it Aha!
1: Uh-huh. uh wise decision uh well uh this is um uh, this is quite a story uh, officer i'm absolutely glad you called michael is there anything you'd like to ask him or or the other way around
3: Uh mm. Think about it,
1: (laughs) Mike. Are you suggesting that Michael should not proceed to try this again?
0: Uh, I personally wouldn't because of uh, all the hazards involved. Uh, Electricity is a very dangerous uh, toy. Indeed. And uh, It's just one slip and uh, it's your last slip. I wouldn't do it. Well, I did like his elect- cigarette lighter he had. You might have him explain that to you.
1: His electrical cig- cigarette lighter? Yes. All right. Oh, officer. The
0: one I made out the microwave? Yeah. Ah. <laughs> uh,
1: officer, thank you. Thank you, sir. We appreciate you calling the arresting officer in the case. Wow. Uh, all right, Michael, what about your cigarette light? What, what's this? Oh, uh, Heck, I, got
2: it. I still got it now, but uh, uh, basically I turned my microwave. It's still a microwave, but I made a cigarette lighter out of it, too. Out of what? My microwave. Your uh,
1: your microwave oven?
2: Yeah. Uh, uh there's like a, a tra- there's a, a transformer in inside that. And basically you,
1: you like transformers, don't you, Michael?
2: Uh yeah, it's kinda like um I uh, I guess you'd call it a hobby. <laughs> That's like I've always been interested in it. That's like uh I've always been it's a heck of been interested in those things since I was like 12 or 13.
1: So. You know, uh, there were physicists in this article who commented that you were actually more or less on the right track. I mean, they they sort of, y- even though they didn't think you should be doing it, they more or less endorsed the uh, the direction you were going in w- with regard to time travel. Yeah. And so I'm I'm kind of with you. I mean, I know the young lady and the officer are saying, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Yeah. But well, like they're,
2: they're, they're afraid I'm going like uh, turn myself into fried bacon or something.
1: Well, like of course, that. And, and you may.
2: Yeah. You may.
1: I mean, there is that risk, isn't there?
2: Yeah, because with the uh, high voltage, you don't have to touch it. You just get too close to it, and you're a goner. So. You get
1: in the corona, and that's all she wrote. Yeah. And that's actually what you were talking about doing ultimately, getting in in that corona.
4: Yeah.
1: Um, all right. Um, east of the uh, Rockies, you're on the air with Michael Markham. Hello.
6: Armaster Sky. Yes. In New Orleans.
1: New Orleans, yes.
6: Yes, uh Michael? Yeah. Yeah, uh first off I think I'd like to party with you, dude. <laughs> uh <laughs> second, uh I, I I what I like, like about is asking two of my favorite questions of all time. Uh what if we try this and also why not? Uh
1: It really It really is true and with the comment of the physicists here in the article, um I mean, I I really do understand his investigative, curious mind. I'm very much the same way.
3: Right,
6: because anything's possible unless it's already been proven physically not to be possible. But uh, uh, just a couple of uh, comments and then one question. One, uh, I hope you take in and leaving very good note, because, you know, you may send yourself into the wild blue yonder, yeah. and someone can maybe uh, pick up where you left off, even though we would say we'd miss you. Yeah. And... uh uh next thing is, uh, if you do see yourself making progress, I'm sure you'll be taking everything you know, wisely and step-by-step. Step. Do not let any kind of big company bureaucracy or anything uh, horn in or try and get in on a piece of the action because you know what that will end up being like, just like everything else. It will be t- totally taken away from your control and uh, you'll just be more or less cast to the
2: wayside. Yeah, that's what I'm worried about right now.
6: Cause yeah. Uh, I would just move carefully before you make any decision or any step, because I mean, I've got you know some government experience, and uh, just you know just take a very careful step. Don't ever jump into anything.
3: Yeah. And
6: um, uh, my last question is, uh, next time you, uh, I guess that vortex, uh, I guess for lack like of better words, it doesn't sound like exactly what it was, but anyway, best way to describe it. Yeah, because well, anyway, you know what a vortex is. Uh, what about a digital stopwatch? You know, measuring into the hundredths of a second at least. You know, chunking
1: that through. Uh, oh, uh, there's an interesting idea. He, uh, thank you, sir. He's saying throwing a stopwatch through. Now, that is interesting, uh, Michael, because if the stopwatch made it out the other side...
2: Yeah, you know, not none of the, electri- none of the electronics getting destroyed.
1: And there had been, uh, well, even if it's mechanical... Yeah. Of course, uh, then it would be a subject to a mechanical field price stop it cold, but if you could get one through, uh, it might provide you with an idea of whether it actually went through a time distortion. Yeah, like
2: said like said to them, like uh, have to keep one through the other man said for the exact same time.
1: That's good, Michael. Yeah. Very good. Uh, stay right where you are. We'll be right w- back with you. Michael Markham, um, madman uh, Michael Markham uh, is my guest. We'll be right back. Back to Michael Markham. Uh, Michael, were you surprised to hear from your arresting officer? <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, very. <laughs> <There he is.
1: laughs> Me too. It was, was like quite a coincidence. He's apparently uh, following your case, Michael. Does that make you nervous? In other words, uh, I would—he uh, knows where you are now, doesn't he? Uh,
2: I don't know if he does or not. I think he does. I know. Uh, I don't know if he knows the exact house I'm in, but I think he knows I'm in Saint Joseph. So.
1: St. Joseph, we'll see. So, wouldn't surprise me, but that he or his friends might be cruising by your apartment looking for strange flashes in yeah. the night, that sort of thing.
3: <sighs>
1: all right, let's see what we've got out there. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Michael Markham.
6: Yeah, this is. Rep- i got to get my radio art. All, right?
1: all right, turn it off. Yeah,
6: I'm going to turn it off. Just give me a chance. All right. I got it. It's gone. Good. Okay. Uh, Where are you I'm calling? St. Joe Thursday.
1: Where, where are you calling from, I'm sir?
6: calling from Leavenworth, Kansas.
1: Leavenworth, all right. Yes, yeah,
6: sir. Uh, I would like to say that your guest, I think, is uh, just a little bit uh, nuts. Uh, he's probably as nutty as I am. <laughs> I would like to make a comment. Uh, as far as what he's doing, I think he's uh, he's on the right track. But uh, you being a ham radio operator, uh, that's what I am, uh, you have to understand that you also have to have a transmitter and a receiver, do uh, you kind of get what I'm getting at now?
1: Well, I guess uh the Jacobs ladder uh may have been a crude transmitter and receiver in a sense. Uh he well, was in other words, he have... wait a minute, sir, he was propagating uh this voltage across those two rods and uh it may have been a kind of a blunderbuss way of going about it, but I can understand that he might achieve the effect he thinks he did.
6: Well, uh you had a uh, a gentleman on one night that uh 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 was explaining the uh, uh, theories with Nikolai Tesla. Yes. Okay, and uh I've studied Tesla in, in depth. I've uh, been studying Tesla for a good 25 years. And I'd like to ask your guest a question. Where did he come up with this uh this idea that he would use high voltage?
1: All right. Uh it's a good question. Where did you uh,
2: the, Well, the the you mean for the time machine deal? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh well, it, like I said before, it it didn't like I went, I didn't set out to build the time machine. Uh,
1: As is so many the so many times the case with any discovery, you were simply trying to build a Jacob's ladder. Yeah,
2: just like a something fancy to watch. thing uh,
1: just to see the spark go up, sort yeah, kind of be something some cool to do. I no, I, look, I understand that perfectly. Believe me, I understand that. And uh, it uh, an unexpected effect occurred. These things happen. First time caller line, you're on the air with Michael Markham.
3: Oh,
6: hello, Art. Hello. This is Chuck in Redmond, Washington. Yes, Chuck. I just wanted to call, and I'm so glad I got through tonight <clears throat> because uh, people like us that are messing around with this kind of thing, we got to kind of stick together.
1: Oh, you're another one, are you?
6: Well, a little bit. It's, I'm mostly my friends, uh, that sort of thing. I, I got into about three years ago, started collecting information, and I've got a bulletin board, computer bulletin board service where I try to get all this stuff together and get people to talk about it because uh, I ran into a buddy who originally. Had taken, he was using a lot less voltage, but he was just using DC batteries, made a couple of coils, and uh, was using a police radio that he would key, well, excuse me, a ham radio, a handheld, and he would key it and then tweak through the frequencies, and I guess he hit the resonant frequency of the circuit. And cut a long story short, he ended up in the loony bin for a little while, and he's okay now, but I went down and snuck a tape recorder in to interview him, and I got it all on tape, about an hour's worth of conversation, and uh, he. He told me he was telling me all about his time travels and how he had gone through this portal and that portal and had to go through twelve worlds to get back. And quite frankly, I thought he'd lost it. And uh, I'm not even sure now, but um, that was kind of interesting. So I did more research, and then I, I pre- presented this to another buddy of mine who fools around with electronics like I do, and I said, "Hey, what do you think of this?" And at first, he well, at first he stopped, and then he looked down and he goes, "Well, I could see how you get some kind of interesting effect out of that." And then about two weeks later, he kind of came up to me. Well, he came up to me. And he was kind of pale on the face, and he said, uh, "Wow, one of the engineers upstairs at where I work, which is where they manufacture uh, medical equipment, mm-hmm. uh, said that he had taken two four-foot square capacitors out of an X-ray machine and hooked them up to a short length of uh, 12-gauge wire. You know, that's a very thick wire. for somebody wouldn't know, laid it on the floor and threw a quarter in it, and he pushed the the uh, conductors together." The electrodes together until I got close enough to arc. I don't want to know how we did that. And apparently after the spark, it disintegrated the 12-gauge wire and the quarter was reduced to the size of a dime but a quarter-inch thick and apparently still in good shape.
1: Listening to Kogo in San Diego. So, uh, Michael, there you have it. It is a free offer of uh, of that which put you behind bars. Uh, this guy's willing to give you transformers. Cool, huh? Yeah, very. So... Is that something you might go for? Oh, yeah. All right. uh, Well, I can put you two together. I've got Randy's number here in San Diego, and I'll give it to you privately uh, tomorrow. How's that? Okay. (laughs) I don't want to be arrested for being part of this. Um, Nevertheless, um, it's a good offer. How do you feel about the possibility, Michael, of somebody coming along and being your mentor even more than this, Maybe contributing money to build a great big gigantic version.
2: Oh, that'd be great. That'd be like a dream come
3: true.
1: So you'd, you'd go for it, huh? Oh, yeah. Set up a lab somewhere and go for the really big voltage and really big current and, uh. Boy. All right. Uh. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Michael. Hi.
6: Hi. Um. I'm calling from Medford, Oregon.
1: Medford, uh. K O P E country. Yes, sir.
6: Uh. Yeah, I was just wondering what makes you think it's, uh. A- time machine, and not some sort of thing like Star Trek um, beaming from one point to another.
1: That's a good question. Uh, yeah, What makes you think uh, you're on the track of time here? Michael, it disappeared. The question is where to go and for how long?
2: Uh, well, uh, that's like well, before my laser burn up, that's uh, pretty much uh, this other side. I had to go by what I saw. So Right now, it could be, it's like a could be several things. Like it could have been like a it could have went through time. It could have went through like a something like the Philadelphia experiment and like a made it invisible or something like that. I'm not like hundred percent certain what it is, but uh
1: I'll, I say, I'll say this much, Michael. Uh all kidding aside, you know, I I think that if I had done what you've done, and I I'm kinda of person likely to do that, I disassembled all my mom's appliances when I was about eight or nine years old. Yeah. And uh, I'm a big experimenter, so if I'd noticed an effect like that, I'd be on it, too, like glue, and I'd, I'd I'd keep going. I mean, who cares what people say, right?
2: Yeah.
1: Is that your attitude?
2: Yeah, pretty much. Everybody's got their opinion. Yeah,
1: you know, they sure do. Uh, and here's another one for you. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Michael Markham. Hi.
6: Hello, Art. This is Christoph from Kansas City.
1: Yes, sir. Uh, right near Michael's home.
6: Yeah, very, right near uh, my question would be, I, I would like to know if you guys would explore some of the more technical aspects, such as uh,
1: which direction
6: in time it might be going. Um, if, indeed, he did get to a point where he can he himself could step through
4: it, how he would be sure that he could get back from which direction he went.
1: That's an interesting question. Um, although the screw came back, and he was going to try, I think you said an orange next, or something like that. Yeah. And see if it came back intact, and then maybe a kitty cat. And then maybe Michael. Would you? I, I'm curious, Michael. Would you have stepped in yourself, or would you, if you got to that point, or would you have looked for a volunteer?
3: Uh,
2: uh, well, if I looked for a volunteer and he had not make it back, I'd be. I'd make me guilty of murder, and
3: uh,
2: I'm already. I already had like sixty days in jail, and that was plain enough for me.
1: So you you wouldn't want to be on trial like O.J. No. Uh, of course they wouldn't have a body.
2: Yeah, that's true, but. Uh, Heck, I don't know.
1: So you would have you would have done it yourself
3: then.
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: I no, still felt
2: I uh, if I wasn't like legally wouldn't have, like been found guilty of like found guilty of anything, I still wouldn't want wanted wouldn't like anybody to do that.
1: Okay. Uh wildcard line, you're on the air with Michael Markham. Hi.
6: Hi there. Yeah, I've got a, got two or three questions for Michael and very, very interesting uh, program. This is John from Reno. Yes, John. It's a great program. Uh-huh. Did uh
2: he have any uh Tesla research information before he started this?
1: That's a good point. Have you have you looked into Tesla at all, Michael?
2: Uh yeah it's uh, uh, science in general is like really that's I don't know, I guess you could call that my hobby. Uh um, uh I read all, all sorts of books. Let's see, I've read Tesla. Uh right now I'm reading uh, uh this book I forget who it's by, but it's like the string theory of the universe. So right, yeah.
3: Okay. Well,
2: how about the from experiment? You, you checked that one out too? Uh, it's like real hard to find information on that in libraries. So I'd like uh, uh I've got like uh, this this past um, uh, conference I went to just a few days ago. Uh, found out like information on there, information on the Montau, uh, the Montauk project which is a spin off of the Philadelphia experiment. Michael,
1: right. uh let me add something here. Uh Michael, we did a program with one of the people involved in the Philadelphia experiment. And Michael he gave all the technical details of exactly how they did it in the program. Uh
2: what was it uh was that guy
1: uh Al Bilic. Al Bielick. Uh
2: I'm trying to get in touch with that guy.
1: Um, I can get in touch with uh, Mr. Bielek, and uh, what I'm telling you, though, is we did a program with him in which he gave the exact technical details, the RF field and the electrical uh, field that they used, the intensities, the power, the whole thing. Yeah. And uh, you might want to get a copy of that program. It's the only – I'll I'll tell you how to get that, all right, or maybe I'll even have it sent to you. (laughs) On the east of the Rockies line, you're on the air with Michael Markham.
6: Yeah, you got Ray from Farley, Missouri. Hi, Ray. Yes, uh, my cousin just called me. He uh, called you from Leavenworth, Kansas. Oh, yes. Yes, he uh, didn't hear the answer to the question on the high voltage. And he was just wondering, uh, you know, he didn't hear the answer because he had to turn his radio off. And he called me and said he's only allowed one call a night.
1: That's a true statement.
6: So uh, uh, he'd <laughs> like to hear that. And.
1: Uh, well, all right, rephrase the question then for us. Well,
6: he—he, he, uh, I'm not sure exactly what he asked. He just said that he asked the question about the high voltage, something about where did he get the information for that. And I think that, uh, you know, uh, uh, I've been listening, and it's amazing about the uh, the way that works, you know, and I'd like to hear the answer, and uh, if you would give me a few seconds to go and shut my radio off. All
1: right, well, I'm not exactly sure how to respond to it. Do you remember the original question, Michael? Uh, something about the high voltage, uh, yeah, I'm. I'm not sure. We went through it, and Michael explained how he built the first uh, transformer.
2: Yeah, and
1: then how he obtained the following transformers, and uh, so I'm not sure exactly what. Like, it's...
2: uh, like how, like, um, like how to, like, uh, uh how can I say this? Uh, like, how I knew, how to know, like, how do I know how to make a Jacob's flight or something well, like did that? Did
1: you have an original design of some kind, Michael?
2: Uh. For a Jacob's Ladder? Yes, you know, uh-huh, yes. The Jacob's Ladder in and of itself, just to make a Jacob's Ladder, is pretty simple.
1: So, you knew, you, you just, it was the scale of the thing. <laughs> yeah. All right, West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Michael Markham. Hi. Yes, this is Cliff from North Bend. Hi, Cliff. How are you doing, Art? Just fine. Hey, this gentleman, he's
6: he is really on the ball there to me, isn't he? Well,
1: see, he's either that or, according to a young lady who called... Uh, He's like a terrorist and uh, we're we're like helping him out spreading the information.
6: <laughs> I admire him.
2: Like I wrote that I'm
6: about the twice cookbook. his
2: age. Uh,
1: I I'm sorry, Michael, what'd you say?
2: It's like it's like a that one was like a as if I wrote the anarchist cookbook or something. Yeah,
1: yeah that's exactly right, the anarchist cookbook. Uh any questions for him, sir? Yes. Um I would like to uh exchange uh some correspondence with him as I'm
6: working with uh mark uh on uh I'm trying to think of the last Hendershot, uh, uh free uh power it, and it's just a thought it's crazy
1: all right, I'll tell you what i twice this
6: guy's age, why couldn't we uh make it self powered
1: all right uh all right uh on that note um listen um Michael um there are a number of people, a lot of them actually I'm sure who would like to contact you yeah. Um is there a way they could do that? Now you be careful because this is a big radio program, Michael. There's a lot of people out there.
7: Yeah.
1: Uh do you want to hear from anybody who would like to help you out or uh, oh, sure. correspond with you? Uh how would they do that?
3: Uh Well, you can see. either
1: give out an address or a phone number. It's up to you. Well,
2: hmm. I guess I don't see. Yeah. think about it. Yeah. Uh at once and like
4: yes, 10,000
2: 10, yeah. people come to my house at once, I don't think that's going to happen.
4: Well, um, uh, I
1: wouldn't rule it out.
3: Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a heck of a fight.
1: Uh, maybe rather than giving out um, uh, your address, Michael, you'd like to think about giving out your phone number or not.
2: Is well, it's already published in the phone book, so might as well.
1: All right. But, what is what is your phone number, Michael? It's
2: 816 uh,
1: 232 right.
2: Four zero one
1: nine. All right, let me give it again, 816-232-4019. All right, uh, we've got just a little more time here, so um, on the wild card line, you're on the air with Michael Markham.
6: Hey there, Michael. How's it going? Uh, Pretty good. Yeah, this is Will in Spokane, the uh, original, uh, I think, uh, mad scientist when I was uh, probably about four years old. Incredible, incredible uh, idea that you have. Um, what, what was your education?
2: Uh, I was in uh about two years ago, I was, a, uh, oh, well, actually it was from November 91. Uh-huh. So about a year and a half later, I was, like, major in electrical engineering.
6: Oh, major. Jesus, you're only 21.
2: Yeah. Wow. Wow. So I, like, graduated when I was 17. Mm-hmm.
1: So what? What, what would you recommend to Michael? Would you say keep going uh, or stop now?
6: Yeah, I'd say uh, get in touch with me.
1: <laughs> That's what
6: I'd say and continue on.
1: All right. Well, you've got Michael's number. Actually, uh, I don't. Um, All right. I'll give it to you now. You want it?
4: Yeah, I do. Zero code uh, 816- 816.
1: 816, uh huh. 232-
4: 232.
1: 232,
6: uh huh. 4019. 4019. Okay. My name's Will. And maybe I'll give you
1: a call, huh? Okay. All right. Uh, there you have it. West of the Rockies. You're on the air with Michael Markham. Good morning.
6: Well,
8: good morning, Art. I think I'm going to go out and play the lotto now.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
8: hey, listen, I've I really enjoyed this show. That, that woman that called in a couple of the people, a couple of the naysayers that have called up, I'm going to have to say they're all but persistent. This has got to be the funnest show you've ever done, anywhere from getting this guy after I heard the story initially last night on your show. And then this morning, and then the uh, police officer calling up, Art. This has got to be the greatest show uh, that I have heard in a long time. I want to know, though, is, uh, Mike, are you going to be publishing?
1: Oh, that's a good question.
8: Uh, Writing a book?
1: Yeah. Yeah, Uh, A book
8: or, you know, some sort of uh, uh, just a technical manual or
6: something like that, you know, or, well, theory manual. All right, there you go. Uh, Well, uh,
2: Hector's, uh, if I, I mean... There's all sorts of books out there like on this subject uh, so I don't know that's like remains to be seen
1: maybe if you uh on a larger scale get to try the experiment
2: yeah it's like uh yeah it's another thing too if if, like, if I get this thing in it, it uh, and uh it actually like it actually works uh heck there's always, i mean heck I could write a bug to a movie and do all kinds of stuff in
1: and hopefully tell us uh whether it was a, a lone gunman or not.
2: Yeah. That's another thing I'd like to do, too. Uh, is really, uh, this may sound like a joke. but uh, Heck, I'd like to go back and see you really killing Nicole, Nicole Simpson, but that's another thing.
1: Well, I guess that would be a laudable use of it, and uh, maybe maybe we could cut this whole t- damn trial thing short, uh, Michael.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm saying.
1: All right. Um, hold on just a moment. We'll be right back to you. Michael, I I would like your reaction to this. Uh, Art, thanks so much. I've really been tiring of hearing all the crap that's going on in the world. The dollar-yen crisis, the Iran-Russia-China nuclear crisis, everything in the U.S. is in crisis, the O.J. crisis. It's refreshing not to have to listen to any of it at 11 o'clock tonight. No. Instead, you've chosen to share with all of us someone near Kansas City, my hometown, who is either truly on the cutting edge or merely yet another deranged madman. I frankly don't care if he is. It's just so nice to hear the tale of somebody's courage and following their intuition and going for their dream. Thank you, Waldo and Tehachapi. There you are. You're not a deranged madman, are you,
2: Michael?
1: No. No? How would you describe yourself?
2: Uh, Well, my strange experiments, uh, basically... Just
1: like anybody else. Well, I don't know. I don't know about it. Just like anybody else. Well, that's the way I see myself. I mean, uh, to you, you're normal.
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) All right. Uh, East of the Rockies, you're on the air with uh, Michael Markham.
6: Yeah, I was interested in uh, talking to Mike about possibly publishing. uh, As in one of your last callers said, publishing information. I am a computer junkie, basically. My Uh name is David. I'm from Houston.
1: So you'd like to interview him? Uh, well. What I'd like
8: is, if he ever does go to the whole publishing stage is to see if I could get him to send me the information on you know what the outcome is, maybe not exactly what he's doing, because of course, he might want to keep that to himself, but or keep other people from trying it. but um, basically, get an overview of you know what type
6: of information he's dealing with, what he's doing, what the outcome is. And possibly show it to the public to see if they like it
1: at all. All right, and that winds into an earlier call. Thank you. Uh, we we will give Michael's number one more time here. You're going to be on the phone a lot, Michael. Uh, Michael, are you take are you know the diaspora, are you taking notes? I mean, are there any notes so that if you stepped into the gap and turned into a French fry, that people could read and see where you went wrong, maybe?
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. Overall, uh, like like a general. I uh, like writing down every little thing, but I like keeping the general idea down.
3: Okay. Um,
1: we've got so many calls. East of the Rockies, where are you calling from, please?
4: In uh, Kansas City.
1: Kansas City, yes, Good morning. sir. Morning, how are you? Fine.
4: Mark uh, just is just north of me in uh, St. Joseph. I'm down here in Independence. That's right. And uh, by the way, I have to echo the last caller. It's a refreshing difference. On the stock market report. There you go. For which we have no control. Mark, I need to ask you something. It's Michael. Michael, rather. Michael? Yeah. When you uh, approach the day when you build the quote-unquote arc of Triumph,
3: <laughs> give me a
4: call because I want to make sure I plug in my surge suppressor first, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Love
3: all you, guys. All right,
1: thank That's you. Uh, so he's, he's worried about uh, the appliances there in Kansas City. Is there a way you can somehow protect the local area of the power grid that next time you do this, uh, Michael?
2: Uh well, um, I can like uh, uh have the power company like put a bigger transfer on the pole, that way it won't overload it.
1: That's an idea. Yeah. From now on I bet anybody in the Kansas City area when they see their lights dim, they're gonna wonder if you just jumped across. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Michael Markham.
6: Yes, I would like to know if your guest has uh, great
1: knowledge of time travel. Great knowledge of time travel? Yes. Do you uh, have great knowledge of time travel, Michael? Uh,
2: great knowledge of. Uh, uh,
1: uh, Some knowledge. Yeah, Some. general
2: idea, but like, down to the nitty gritty, and just like that's what I'm doing now.
1: I mean, after all, nobody has real publishable knowledge of time travel. We're off into an area here that just isn't much known.
2: Well, yeah, it's like right now, it's like treated as the same thing as UFOs and stuff like that.
1: Sure. Sure, absolutely. Uh, Wild Card Line, uh, real quickly, with Michael Markham. Hello.
2: Hi, Mike uh, and Art. This is fantastic. (laughs) Uh,
9: uh, Mike, uh, can I ask you a question? Yes. Uh, Have you ever listened to the Art
6: Bell show before? Uh, Well, okay. I just want to let you know that there's nothing but a bunch of wackos out here that listen to Art Bell all the time. And we really appreciate uh a guy like you. <laughs> let, let me say this.
1: Gee, do do me some more favors, sir.
6: <laughs> uh let me say this. Uh Mike, there was a a guy, he's a uh cosmologist, a an astrophysicist, uh, and his name is Rick Thorne and he's into what is called wormholes.
2: Oh yeah, it's kinda of like similar
6: to a black hole. Exactly. Yeah. And what he likes to talk about, and this is also very fascinating. It also has to do with time travel. Now, when you step in one end of the, uh, the wormhole, and it has to do with the speed of light and the space-time continuum. All
3: right,
1: we're about out of time here. Okay,
6: well, he says, when you're coming back out the other way, you meet yourself. Now, I also wondered, if you threw the screw in, did you take a look at the screw and see if it was turned left or right-handed thread when you, when you found it? Ooh. Interesting questions. Yeah. Keep it up, Mike.
1: All uh, right, Michael, uh, we're out of time. It has been a great pleasure. And, yes, we do uh, very unusual, mm, kooky things on the show every now and then. But, Michael, on the serious side, I admire you uh, on a lot of levels. I really do. Not the stealing of the Transformers, but what you're doing and what you're trying to do. And I really appreciate your coming on the program. And we'll get your number out one more time. You're going to on your interview with the time machine mechanic, except women who thought he was a radical extremist or a madman. Does that tell you anything? Well, I don't know. I enjoyed listening to that kid. I'm 49 and laud him for trying things experimental. We still don't know the real effects of how electricity and radio waves affect the dimension we live in. It's pure theory, and for all we know, it may tamper with one of the other 13 dimensions suggested in Davy's Superstrings book, Good Show. What does it mean that women? Well, it was kind of a technical uh, thing. And you know, guys like that kind of thing, and women, some of them are horrified by it. So I think that's your answer. I don't know what it says though. And then this high art. I really liked your guest tonight. I've always been a physics buff. One thing that bothers me about time travel, though, as a consequence of Einstein's theory of relativity, which stemmed from something called the Lorentz transformations, mathematical equations which describe. Space and time dilations. A couple of things are apparent. One, in order to experience time dilation, one must reach the speed of light, at which point the person's momentum and hence mass become infinite. Two, the speed of light is an absolute maximum; it can't be exceeded. Not to say that these concepts from special relativity uh, are absolute, but they do seem to preclude time travel unless some grossly unobserved physical law exists time travel is a cool concept worth studying but i'd love to hear from someone more educated in physics than myself a uh, comment on this tom columbia missouri well um, i'm not sure of what i'm saying but i believe that there was there was some theory or even possible proof that uh, quarks uh, have exceeded the speed of light, or a theory that they might exceed the speed of light. And I think that that's one of the things they were going to look at with a gigantic accelerator they were trying to build uh, down in Texas. But I'm certainly not uh, a physics uh, person myself, so uh, it's open for comment if anybody out there wants to comment. Aren't a little information on the Palmdale Bulge? It is an anomaly, also known as an uplift. It is literally the ground surging upward. This particular uplift was discovered about 1980 and thought it was developed during the late 1960s or early 70s. But most seismologists agree that it has been rising continually ever since. Ooh, that's bad. That's Carol listening also to KFYI in Mesa. Uh, so, Carol, I don't know what to tell you. Um, to me, uh, the layman in these areas, it seems like a sort of like a aneurysm. As I said earlier, an earth aneurysm. Is that out of line? <laughs> Here we go. East to the Rockies, you're on the air.
6: Hi, Art. How you doing?
1: Just fine.
6: This is uh, Mike uh, calling from TDY in Madison.
1: Oh, Madison, Wisconsin. Yes, Mike.
6: And, uh, well, one quick question and then a longer one. Uh, does your Milwaukee station, is that going to carry you all the way to the end of the program because they chop you off for an hour here?
1: Well, it's a matter of time zones, uh, Mike. In other words, the program here on the, on the Pacific Coast goes until 4 a.m., uh, there it would be six, and most radio stations begin their, you know, their morning shows, right. you know, wake-up shows around five. Yeah. So that's what happens.
6: Yeah, it's kind of sad because we never, you know, I never know what's going on for that final period of time and it's, it's, well,
1: irrelevant. It's torture, I know. <laughs>
6: yeah, and I also wanted to mention, you know, if that, uh, if your time traveler there ever does succeed, it'd be nice for if you could. If you could maybe throw a dollar bill through there to see what shape that comes back in.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe maybe
1: a little tiny, tiny, little one dollar bill. That would be frightening. Uh, It was a hell of a story, wasn't it?
6: Oh, it was pretty interesting, pretty interesting. Uh, It's hard to believe. Uh, You know, I I think it's more likely that it's creating an invisibility effect than time travel, though.
1: Well, maybe. Uh, Either way, it would be a big story. Yeah, well, speaking of other big
6: stories, uh, I got home today to a message on my answering machine, which was sort of chopped off because I have a really lame answering machine, but Hmm. uh, it's from my friend in Arizona who works in the parks and went camping with some geologists. And... uh, Yes. He mentioned about the Palmdale bulge. Apparently they had a very spirited discussion about that, which I don't know what the Palmdale bulge is. I was wondering if you knew.
3: I'm not
1: a geologist either, but it sounds bad, doesn't it?
6: Well, yeah, it sounds like it. Evidently it's uh, something of great interest to them.
1: I I would think of it uh, just off the cuff as sort of an earth aneurysm.
6: <laughs> I like that. I like that.
3: Well, All right. I'll
6: get back to you as soon as I find out anything more specific, and I'll see if maybe one of these geologists would be gutsy enough to get on the air with you.
1: Oh, hey, listen, if you get one willing to go on, uh, have them call me. Have They're ca-
6: notoriously closed mouth I know. I but, know. Uh, so
1: they like talk around campfires, but you get them in front of the microphone, they clam right up. That's right. All right, thanks a million. And uh, have them fax me. My fax number is area code 702. and we have done one other thing that is really fun. And uh, if you wish to um, uh, partake, you're welcome to. I'm going to give you the number. We've got a whole bunch of pictures, GIF pictures, um, and if you've got an uh, uh, IBM-compatible computer, you can get them. We've got them on a bulletin board, and we're increasing. I'm going to send six more photographs up there tomorrow. Right now, we've got one of myself and my wife, one of just me, one of me in the Air Force 30 years ago. We have a ghost photograph available, and I'm going to to be uploading a second ghost photograph in color, by the way. Both of these are in color uh, tomorrow. There is a color photograph of the studio that I'm broadcasting from right now in my home. Actually, a photograph of it up there. There are two photographs of Mexican UFOs, and this relates to last week's Dreamland program. We had a couple of researchers on who talked about the sightings in Mexico. It's very exciting. So we've got two Mexican uh, photographs up there. We've got the Roswell movie photograph up there, the very controversial one. And as I said, we're going to put a half dozen up uh, more, uh, half dozen more tomorrow. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Yes, sir. (laughs) Hello. Art Bell.
6: Art Bell, how are you doing? You were talking about the Palmdale Bulge a minute ago.
1: Yes, the earth aneurysm.
6: Right. Uh, I'm calling from uh, Pasadena, California, the home of Caltech.
1: Oh, yes.
9: And, uh, you know, I notice a lot. uh, I drive by there every evening
6: after I leave work, and uh, one thing I notice is from the University of Oregon, I think it is, they have uh, geologist trucks down here, but they're volcanologists, and they have a little volcano on the side.
3: Uh Uh-huh.
6: And... uh, they only show up at 4.30 in the morning.
1: Why 4.30 in the morning? You got me. Sounds secretive.
6: Yeah, well, another thing I heard, too, was out near Landers,
0: is the ground after the Landers earthquake was so hot you couldn't touch it. Really? Yeah.
1: Due to what?
0: Um, gee, I don't know. Well, you have volcanologists out there now from Caltech coming huh. down from Oregon.
1: That's really odd.
0: I know. That's really odd, too. I don't want to make a start a rumor, but... Yes, you do. <laughs> that's
1: what you're doing. You're starting a rumor. The hot earth theory.
0: Yeah, it could be. <laughs> I remember, right. I, uh, a week or so
6: ago, I heard someone else talking about something similar to this. Really? Maybe it was over a week ago.
8: Well,
1: week we ago. we had a call, a very troubling call, from a man who talked about well levels and water tables... Maybe were, that's what it was. ...rising. You remember that? Yeah, I think that's what it was. I tried to call you right after I heard that. There's a whole lot of geological rumor-mongering going on, and, and, uh, you know, there's something to it. I I think there's something to it. Thank you uh, very much for the call. You know, it's just sort of a collective input. I'm getting information and faxes you guys just flat wouldn't believe uh, regarding uh, people who think there are... There's getting ready to be a geological upheaval of some sort. Um, A a lot of information, really. East of the Rockies, you're on the air.
6: Yes, sir. This is Bill in San Antonio. Hi, Bill. Um, You, of course, are aware that the FCC limits the amount of fun you can have in a two hour period.
1: (laughs) And uh, you
6: grossly exceeded that in your first two hours.
1: Oh, wasn't that something?
6: (laughs) (laughs) That brought back a lot of memories in my childhood. I played uh, a lot with electronics and electrical circuits, and uh, I used a lot of spark coils, and um, I did a lot of Jacob's letters type stuff, and uh, I, I enjoyed all that. Yes,
3: yeah, I'm glad. And,
6: and that kind of thing really needs to be encouraged. It, it's not a really isn't a madman type of thing. It's just a, a curiosity-type thing that uh, is really the basis of a lot of uh, experimentation and uh, what we have, uh, you know, the things that were developed, the technological things that we have today, really uh, came from that kind of curiosity.
1: (laughs) That's absolutely correct, and that's one of the reasons I went for the interview. I mean, there's just something about somebody like that.
6: It it, it isn't anything unusual. It's like one of your callers that came in and said, uh, you know, a lot of wackos listen to your show. Well, uh, you know, I'm one of those wackos that, uh, you know, I'm a financial analyst, but uh, I grew up... uh, uh playing with that kind of stuff and uh you know you get interested you investigate things you want to see what happens and you try things out and you know maybe you don't ever find anything but you uh you you check things out
1: yes sir thank you i look i'll say it again i think that uh talk radio should be on the edge god knows we're on the edge it should be on the edge I mean that's what it's all about we're not mainstream media I don't want to be mainstream media I don't want to be mainstream media and there is more to life than politics there are a million different areas and things that you can talk about and I just soon let this program as I have for all the years I've been on the air over you know going on a decade about about a decade doing this particular program I've let it range wherever it's gonna range And I'm not going to change that. I don't care how big it gets. I'm not going to change that. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning.
6: Hi, right, how are you doing? This is Clayton down in Laughlin.
1: Hello, Clayton.
6: I wanted to catch up with you and give you some food for thought. Okay. The quirk you were thinking about was the Tachyon.
1: Oh, moves, Tachyon, Tachyon.
6: Tachyon, very good. Moves faster than the speed of light, so therefore it's going backwards in time.
1: It, uh, it, well, that's what the theory is, yes.
6: Right. And what also kind of reminds you about the Montauk project?
1: Oh, um, indeed. Uh, Michael talked about that project, and uh, I've had people on the air about that project. And Look, I don't rule out what happened to Michael, you know, his story. I I don't uh, rule rule it out at all. It it may have exactly happened as he said.
6: Well, interesting enough about it is the, the aspect of having to use the psychic in order to actually kind of make things work, you know, using kind of like what they call amorphous resonance. Yeah. You know, what makes your nose your nose, what makes your eyes your eyes. These things come down in literal form, and supposedly that's why the Philadelphia experiment worked so well, because everything was tube other than transistors. Yes, and had a natural resonance at that time.
1: That's that is correct. Yes, Mm -hmm.
6: but nowadays they can digitally sample the resonance factor.
1: It's a point well made. Thank you. Um, I was talking—I don't even know if I had to say this—I was talking to a man up in Washington State uh, earlier tonight who claims to be working with dual-resonance technology and claims to be able to move in time. But that's a story for another day. On the wildcard line, you're on the air. Good morning.
4: Hey, Art, what's up?
1: Well, you are. You're up, sir. Uh, Where are you calling from?
6: Kodiak, Alaska.
1: Kodiak, Alaska. I was going to say I'll bet you it's Kodiak because we get this unusual delay when we talk to people there in Kodiak.
6: Oh, that's weird. I haven't called in about a year and a half, so I don't know.
1: Well, that's uh, that's an even bigger delay. What what's on your mind?
6: I was wondering about that time travel thing. Um, I read an article in Discovery a while back that talked about um, this concept of different universes where um, when you travel in time, you don't actually travel in time; you just travel to a different universe. And every universe is just a different setup of each other. And mm-hmm. how um how um does each um concept, like if I went back in time and killed my dad, you'd think I would be born, but actually I would have gone to a different universe, so in my own universe, I'd still be alive.
1: In that alternate universe, would your father also be alive?
6: No, because I would have killed him.
1: No, 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 but you said you would then be in an alternate universe, and in that alternate universe, for you to exist, your dad would also have to exist. You would just sort of blow yourself out.
6: But my my other self, the alternate universe would die, not me, because I'm from the other universe.
1: All right, sir. Thank you. Um, it seems to me that to be consistent, you would, in effect, when you killed your father, blow yourself out of this universe, find yourself in another universe where your continuity can be accounted for. In other words, where your father still lives, if he was supposed to be alive, and you could only exist there. Wildcard line, you're on the air. Yeah.
10: Good morning. My goodness, I can't believe I got in.
1: Yes, you have. Where are where are you?
10: In Kansas City.
1: Kansas City. Yeah. Not not far from Madman Markham.
10: Right, except I woke up as he went off. <laughs>
1: oh, uh, that's too bad. You missed a good one.
10: Yeah. You know, I was wondering, did you ever think that the space, you know, all the space that they do at Nassau has changed what's going on with the earthquakes and the, and the floodings and all that and the pollution, did you? I I always thought that maybe that has a lot to do with the uh, climate change and everything.
1: Well, I had a lady who called up not long ago and thought that every time they fire off the shuttle, it's like um, firing it off from the center of a balloon. And when the shuttle goes through the balloon, a bunch of stuff blows out before the hole seals up. Right. Is that your kind of thinking?
10: Uh, Well, years ago when I was in high school, Our uh, science teacher said that when you would put something through the stratosphere, that you would change the molecules, which would have a lot to do with uh, the weather and what have you. And every time they go up, it seems that there is freak floods, freak earthquakes. And I really think that it has a lot to do with the ozone and, and everything else because it's bound to have pollution from
3: the fuel they use. Well,
1: I guess there's that. I, I mean, who knows? Uh, there are people who believe that our uh, moral behavior is causing this. There are people who believe it is the space shuttle. There are people who believe that uh, it's an angry god shaking his finger at us.
10: Well, you know what? Maybe it's a com- combination because... Um, it's like if God's saying, hey, don't come up here. You don't have any business down here. You can't even take care of what's down below. Why are you worrying about what's up here?
3: Do you
1: think God would say that?
10: Uh, some people would say, well, but God gave us the knowledge to do these things. But uh, it seems to me like it's, it's one place where the budget should be cut. I don't think they need to spend that much money on NASA when they could take that same money and use it for research, that NASA, yes, they have come up with a lot of good things, but they should take that money and uh, work on the good things that they've come up with and maybe use their knowledge uh, to help people down here, not up there.
1: Well, I know, but you've got Teflon pans.
10: No, that's what I mean. They came up with some good things, but really, what are we doing now up there? What good is it? You know, I don't understand why they...
3: Well, uh,
1: communication satellites come to mind. Uh, Uh, I mean, there's a lot of technology. I mean, right now, you're able to get my voice because it's going up to a satellite that's distributing it throughout the the whole country.
10: This is true. Like I said, there's good, but I think there's also a lot of bad that it's causing. I really think it's causing the...
1: Of course, depending on how you feel about my program, maybe maybe you could say it's bad.
10: No, I enjoy your program
1: when I'm up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you're up, and I'm glad that you called, and I really have to go because I've got a newscast coming.
4: Okay.
1: All right, thank you uh, very much for the call, and I guess that'll do it for this hour. They just uh, they just they sort of fly by. Yeah, if you don't like the program, then you could say it's technology being used for evil. Quake, my neighbor has a well, and it overflowed a surge from very deep it flooded my yard as if a 12-inch line had broken in his yard and poured into mine. Two days later the quake hit and one comment about particles being faster than light. About five years ago I recall that an Italian astronomer in Italy and at the same time in England an English astronomer observed the same particle shoot from a distant star, and they made the same measurement. The particle had traveled faster than light. And then this. Art, a woman should be able to walk down the street safely, nude, if she so chooses, discounting the reactions of the local police. But I get the feeling that some of the really rabid prosecutors of the sexual harassment cases feel that she should be able to do the same without anyone, read, hear, men, even looking or taking notice. That is just not realistic. While she should be free from assault, physical and verbal, people are just naturally going to look, maybe even stare. Some might even take vocal notice as opposed to propositioning her, but I guess it's all the same to a feminazi. Do you think that feminazis would be nearly as offended if they were to be leered at by a lesbian, or if they just knew which ladies uh, they walked uh, by were lesbian and the impure thoughts that were having. Jim in Tupelo, Mississippi. <laughs> well, you know, basically, Jim, I really do agree with you. And um, I'm sorry about what's happening between men and women in this country. I know it makes me sound like an old pokey, but I surely do miss the good old days when man could look at a woman and maybe even, you know, if he's out there on a construction site or something, give a big wolf whistle at her without her going to court and taking everything he has or without him getting into great trouble. I mean, is that so bad? I, I, guess, I guess the women would say yes. Yes, it's horrible being regarded this way well i just don't i guess i'm i'm too old i'm never going to change i'm never going to regard it as horrible and i frankly at the risk of ending up in court or something will probably keep looking until the day i die first time caller line you're on the air
5: Um. yes um... i have um a comment to make about the hemp um... issue that was brought up and i would like to say that um one that it is not just a question just about hemp um it is a question about the um paper production of america um i heard um after the question about hemp was was asked um an arbor day foundation um about planting trees um hemp is not just something that can be used as a political tool um, to control the drug war hemp that is some is something that um, can also be used to help the um, the paper production and overuse of our country.
1: There's no question about it. The Wall Street Journal ran an article saying the government could realize half a trillion dollars a year in profit from the various industries that would be uh, would spring up from
3: hemp.
5: Hemp uh, and 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 also what what uh, the point that I would like to get across is that rather than planting more trees, rather than using things as hemp, even though I do think it is a positive alternative that can definitely be used, um, other than doing things like that, what needs to be embedded in the minds of Americans is mm. is the need for a recycling program. Um, Americans need to know that that recycling does help. That recycling does help our forests. Forests are being cut down at amazing rates. They're killing um, all sorts of species, all sorts of waters. They're killing our trees. Um, there's been today, especially um, all over the United States and internationally, actions that were planned against multinational corporations in paper. In
1: um, Are you a Greenpeacer?
5: I am not necessarily a Greenpeacer. Well, you
1: sound like a Greenpeacer.
5: I and I see as, as someone that that typifies somebody like me as a green piecer.
1: a tree hugger.
5: A tree hugger. No, I don't necessarily call myself a tree hugger. But do you, and, do you in fact actually
1: about. do you in fact actually hug trees?
5: Oh, yes, I, I do, and oh, I, I do don't it. think there's anything wrong with well, that. No, um, hey, no,
1: look, look, hey, what you do in the privacy, you know, it's something. <laughs> well, to The you. point I,
5: that I'm trying to get across, though, is that I, I may be a tree hugger. I am not a green but, you know, I may appreciate the beauty of our trees, but what I'm saying is that what needs to be addressed here is that is that we, we are living in an environment which is, being destroyed at an incredible pace.
1: All right, all right. Well, I have to hold it there. I, I understand your message. Believe me, I do. And uh, as I said, ma'am, far be it from me. You know, I mean, uh, this is America. Still is America. And uh, anyway, I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> of the Rockies, you're on the air.
9: Hi, this is Brian from New Orleans. Hi, Brian. Well, first, I'd like to congratulate you on your old archaic construction site catcall mentality. But I'd well, like... I
1: mean, really, um, yeah, I saw a lot of construction guys whistle at women when I was a kid. I remember it. Mm-hmm. It's not like the world ended.
9: No, but I'm sure a woman who's been sexually assaulted before really liked to relive something like that. Something that can provoke that thought. Well but anyway, there was, yeah, like yeah, okay, on.
1: but look, there was a day in America where a wolf whistle from, you know, a construction guy or something
3: mm-hmm.
1: wasn't it was it was it was either flattering or she'd blush, but it wasn't a matter for litigation.
9: Right. Okay, well I'd like to move on to politics. Okay. First, Bill Clinton is gonna be running for re election nineteen ninety six, and I, I do believe he is
1: unbeatable. Unbeatable. Uh The president last night was protesting loudly that he is not, damn it, I am not irrelevant. Right. And you agree he is not irrelevant?
9: Not in the '96 election.
1: You think he'll beat the pants off anybody who would dare to challenge him?
9: Well, think about it. Right now, the economy is doing well. Well, yeah,
1: reasonably well,
9: yes. We we are not in a state of war.
1: Mm, That's true. And people, Unless you talk about drugs, that's a different story. True.
9: But people generally bet or vote with their pocketbook. That's true. And you're going to see Bob Dole, he's going to probably come out to be the front-runner, I imagine.
1: I'd say it's the best chance, yeah.
9: Well, unfortunately, Bob Dole isn't going to do it for the Republican Party, and you're going to have Bill Clinton in there, thank God, for another four years.
1: And what do you think Mr. Clinton, the relevant president, will do for America, given another four years?
9: Does he really need to
1: change anything? Think what, think what George Bush did for us. In other, well, words, George... in other words, you're saying you can kind of just cruise.
9: Well, do you not agree things are going relatively well for the United States right now compared to four years ago?
1: Um, I would say, as you pointed out, that the economy's cruising along now. I'll give, right. give you that. But as far as things going well, no, I don't think they are. I think socially we're absolutely a disaster and getting worse. Crime is bad, violent crime, and getting worse.
9: Crime, the, crime statistics, are, statistics are overblown. Obviously, it's a little disturbing now that 14-year-olds are com- committing murders, but on a whole, crime oh, statistics have not gone up dramatically. If not, they've gone down a little bit in the last 10
1: years. And well, I think, uh, I, in, in, I, like, I think in all categories, but violent crime. In violent crime, it's gone up.
9: I am still, I'm still not sure. Maybe violent crime that, that's caught by the press, and, and you've got to admit, the press, does hype crime now a lot more?
1: Than so it. the whole thing is overblown as far as you're concerned. Where do you say you're calling from? New Orleans. New obviously. Orleans. New
3: Orleans.
1: <laughs> you're right. New Orleans. Right. And, and you're you're downplaying the crime thing?
9: Well, crime's obviously horrible right now, but violent crime, on a whole, has not gone up in the last 10 years. Oh. <laughs> look at the statistics, Art.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: All right. Seriously. Look, I could look at the statistics from your city, sir. Oh, of course.
3: I mean, come on. <laughs> New
9: Orleans does have its problems, but yes. statistics on a whole nationwide, violent crime and crime as a whole has uh-huh. stayed the same.
3: And, and, and right and,
9: now we're suffering from the hard copy, the current affair media hype of crime. All right, right now that sells papers.
1: All right. Thank you very much for the call. I'm sorry, but the numbers I think are real and horrifying. And frankly, of all the cities you could be making that statement from, I find it a little more pa- than passing strange that you're coming from New Orleans, but hey. That's all right. First time caller line, you're on the air. Art Bell? That's me.
6: Oh boy, I'm on I'm John from Carson City? Yes, sir. Ah, uh, I bought these earthquakes we've been well, my hair's standing up on the back of my neck too for a long time and I've been I worked from eight to four in the morning and I got you all night long every night and this is my night off so I got up to see if I could call you.
3: Well you you did it.
6: And I wanna I want you to uh, first, understand, I'm not trying to uh, kid you or nothing, but I had a little experience here Saturday night or early Sunday morning. Yes, sir. And uh, I was out, I'd, I'd drive a patrol car, and I finished the patrol and I'd, where I parked, and all of a sudden something hit the back of my trunk, and it was snowing and sleeting, and I had my dome light on, and I looked back there, and here's this great big old bird sitting back there, one of those uh, buzzards.
1: Get pooped on your patrol car? No,
6: it sit on it.
1: Oh, 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 I see. And Sorry. was looking
6: at me. Well, I'm I'm working on the assumption these wild animals and stuff they get they act peculiar around earthquake time. Yes, sir. And and here I'm looking at this thing, just scared the daylights out of me. So I had my motor running, I had the radio playing, and it was unconcerned. So I just put my car in gear and I took off down the road, and here this old bird was flying out in front of me and off to the side and back and forth. And, mm. it, and I went up to the end of the road, there was a cul-de-sac there, and I turned around and it it, it flew around me and went down into the canyon into the valley. So I drove back around the residential area a little bit, trying to figure it out, and I drove back to where I was sitting before, and I sit there in the dark... And darn if he didn't come back again.
1: Oh my God, what a weird story. Oh, and, and
6: you ought to see uh, I, I've never been that close to one of these things and that's the ugliest thing you've ever seen in your life.
1: How big was it actually?
6: It, I figured that it, it would probably dress out about 20 pounds.
1: Oh that's a big bird.
6: but a big long neck you know
1: big bird. And, and you're telling me this thing chased you and you, now' let's, let's, let's back up a little here. You're an officer of the law?
6: No, I'm a security guard.
1: A security guard so you're uh, close. Yeah, and you you would swear on your security guard manual this is true.
6: Well, this isn't the end of the story yet.
1: All
3: right, go ahead.
6: And anyways, this time I I'd shine my flashlight right in his face, in the, and I didn't have the dome light on in the car, and he, and he wouldn't move, just looking at me, his head just kind of bobbing back and forth. So I start mm-hmm. slamming on the seat on the on the on the. On the, on the uh, driver past your side seat slamming that hollering and hollering and he just slid off the back like he had one foot on the bumper and went down on the ground and i didn't see him no more so i drew i pulled out and i drove around and there's a lot of equipment parked there and i shine in my headlights all over and he disappeared well
1: i take it you didn't want to get out of the car
6: uh, you got that right
1: you think that thing would have come at you
6: well i see uh, i don't know that much about him i'm uh my last night i went to work they've got a maintenance man on there just during the week on uh, afternoons and evenings and i and he's a, uh, a born and raised nevadan and i asked him i said you've been around these birds oh yeah yeah i said "How oh, do you see one around here he said there's a big black one he said you see it's got a big about four or five four foot at least wingspan i said he said yeah i noticed him all around your last few days did you see him I said, yeah, I said, how close do you ever get to them, or how close do you get to them, oh, you can't get near them, he said, I've been around them all my life, they, they won't let you get near. So I said, well, listen, I have told my wife this story, I'm going to tell you, but I don't want you to tell it to anybody else, because they're going to be able to send somebody after me with a net.
1: Guys, they, guys in the white coats. Yeah. So and you they, swear now, this is true.
6: Oh. I, I, I'm telling you, it's bothered me ever since then. I mean, I, I'm prepared for earthquakes. I lived in, uh, in uh, Butte County, California for 15 years before I moved here seven years ago. And I think in those 15 years, I probably experienced maybe four or five earthquakes. In the last year here in Carson City, I know there's been at least 10 of them.
1: I know. They're on the increase. All right, sir. I've got to go. Thank you very much for the story. That is a remarkable story. That is a remarkable story. And, um, I'll tell you, here in Pahrump, Nevada, we have got the biggest birds I've ever seen in my life. I mean, these birds are freaky. Do you remember the movie, The Stand? Do you remember the bird, the big black bird in the stand? That bird came from right here in Pahrump, Nevada. We've got them all over the place. This guy's not lying. You can get, they can get 20-pound birds. I mean, these birds are big. And these birds feed on roadkill. You know, I mean, they really feed on it. I mean, these are big birds. I kind of almost hit one one day. They get so bloated, they get so fat, eating rabbits that have been squished on the road, that they can't even get into the air, you know. they. I mean, these are big birds, and they start flapping their wings, and they're flapping their wings, you know, and you're coming down the road, and they're trying to get airborne, and they're trying to get airborne, and their fat little bellies won't let them get up in the air. And I grazed one one day that way. That sucker couldn't get into the air fast enough. I mean, he was lumbering, trying to get in. So we've got these big birds out here. They're big, probably big enough to pick up a cat. Maybe not my cat, but a cat. And uh, they're pretty frightening. That's where the bird in the stand came from, right here. I've got them all over the place. They're big. They're eerie. And if if they ever got a mind to start doing what this man just said... It would be not tolerable, I'll tell you. First time caller line, you're on the air.
6: Yeah, hello, this is Todd in Berkeley again.
1: Hi, Todd.
6: Yeah, I was listening to the first two hours. That was uh, delightfully off the wall.
1: You like that, huh? Yeah,
6: I really did. I have a, a kind of a clue, hopefully. It'll be of some use to madman Michael, an article in Scientific American many, many years ago, eight or nine, about phase conjugate light. Uh-huh. And uh, it involves putting a, a laser beam through a crystal and then at right angles or at some angle, a virtual beam would emerge.
1: Oh, well, listen, you're talking Star Wars technology here, I believe.
6: You know, this this uh, actually involved theoretical time reversal of a laser beam.
1: Oh, no kidding.
6: So I was curious, it sounded like he used a laser beam?
1: To, he, he did. He, to, he used a laser souped up from a CD player.
6: To trigger the uh, Jacob's Ladder effect?
1: That, that's correct.
6: Okay. About McNamara, it sounds like... I hate to sound conspiratorial, but it sounds like he's trying to give Bill Clinton a means to vindicate himself.
1: Well, a lot of people looked at it that way. Uh, You do, I take it.
6: Well, he snapped up. Bill Clinton snapped up on it so quickly, it was really kind of suspicious.
1: Well, I think things are getting pathetic at the White House. The president is reduced to going on television and uh, beseeching us uh, with the fact that he is relevant. (laughs) <laughs>
6: yeah, no, this guy from New Orleans that called, saying Bill Clinton was virtually unbeatable. Oh, yes. That's assuming he makes it to the election, you know, a la Whitewater and the uh, Mena, Arkansas investigations.
1: He needs to be reelected because you know what's waiting for him if he isn't? What's that?
6: Oh, oh yeah, yeah, Pro- probably bars. But, well,
1: uh, no, but there's this young lady waiting with a lawyer in a lawsuit.
6: Well, that, that's true, too, but uh, for all these people who... Well, one of the things he was saying, that the economy is in such good shape...
1: I mean, can you imagine, sir, that going to court?
6: Uh, I mean,
1: really now, you know he's married to, uh, I think she's a pretty, what's the right word, stern woman? I think she's... Strenuous. A strenuous, um, activist, um, you know, probably pretty rough if you ever got into an argument with her. And when this trial would start, there'd be a lot of testimony and details that would tend to get killed when you went home.
6: Yeah, he, he, I hear she throws things, too.
1: I've, I've been other, rumors.
6: Yeah, yeah. one other thing. Uh, I just can't imagine Bill Clinton having four years that he won't be accountable to the voters for. I think that would be the ruination, as if you know, this is anything to crow about
4: right now.
1: Yeah, I appreciate your call. Uh, thank you very much. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Art? Yes.
4: I've got to tell you, uh, you're very comedic tonight. Let me tell you what went right past the lady with the NASA ships and the concern about the ozone when you said to her, Teflon, I that was good.
1: Well I am glad you like you it. You know
4: who this is, don't you? No I don't. It's uh the reluctant reluctant prophet gonna change that tag name. You gave it to me a year ago. Uh let me tell you what you made me do tonight. You made me bring down my Mr Coffee coffee pot, which I've been avoiding. I've been just pouring my water into the you know thing. So I'm, you know, I'm what? addicted to you. And I have to tell you this, you're not nuts, and neither is the madman from uh, Paramus. Where is he from?
1: Um, oh, he's from Missouri.
4: Missouri, yeah. He's, this kid's a smart kid. I also, if he's still listening, and I'm sure he's not, because he's got a million phones. He gave his phone number out over over the air. I couldn't believe that. He's going to make a lot of new friends.
1: Oh, well, he's going to make a lot of new friends. That's right. I mean, I gave him his choice. He didn't have to do that.
4: Perhaps he's going he's gonna, to uh, meet the one friend like Wilburn Orville you know the minus or the plus that's going to help you, him. You are
1: exactly right. And on the way to Grandma's house, suddenly I heard a wolf whistle. I looked around, saw a city worker with his head sticking out of a manhole. <laughs> he whistled again. When I made eye contact, smiled, and went back to work, I felt ten feet tall, and not just because the guy was standing in a hole. The man, <laughs> the man did more for my self-esteem with that simple gesture than anything else possibly could have. Since then, when I've been to visit my dad, I've noticed that on occasion he'll give a wolf whistle at a woman. Uh, Most often to the bedraggled young moms with several very small kids in tow, I've seen those women stand a little taller, too. I have to conclude that not all people are as nice as that city worker was, and that if you cannot say something sincerely complimentary about someone's looks, it's probably wise to stay silent. But I won't forget that worker. Not in a million years. That's Bryn Marie. And um, back to the lines we go. East of the Great Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning.
6: I'm a retired Air Force field grade officer who um, has been one of the few fortunate ones to probably read all of the UFO reports that were available outside of Project Blue Book in a building uh, in Washington, D.C. years ago called Tempo E.
1: Really? It was an
6: intelligence. Um,
1: You've read all the secret stuff?
6: You got it. Okay. And um, I did tell this to one Air Force officer who I think is your MUFON director down in Florida, but I can't remember his name. Yes. And he got quite intrigued by it, and I'm trying to put some names together for him of those people that would... Be able to confirm that. And look, also oh, look, be look, able
1: look, 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 look. i got to cut through the quick here, and I've got to ask you basically, what do you know that we don't? If you really read these papers, sir.
6: No, these were reports.
1: Reports, all right. Oh, That's intelligence
4: reports. Investiga-
1: oh, okay. Well, even better.
4: And they um, didn't deduce anything that said why
6: or um, what they were. They just told um, what happened, where it happened, and when it happened. And copies were sent, that I recall, to the Defense Intelligence Agency. I don't remember if CIA or any other agency was on a, a distribution for these.
1: Was there a conclusion?
6: There were no conclusions. No, they were strictly straight gathering of um, intelligence-type information.
1: Would somebody like yourself who read them come to a conclusion?
6: came to the conclusion that there were many, many sightings that were never reported anyplace else except to this investigative intelligence agency and then just filed, except what they were then subsequently um, transferred to DIA, Defense Intelligence Agency. Yes. And I'm not sure about the NSA or CIA because it's been too long ago that I've
4: read them all, but there was a room with nothing but um, five drawer filing cabinets and I had gotten special permission to go in and read them because I was in a special training situation and um, I was just interested in the subject at the
6: time it wasn't until recently till I moved out here in Nevada that
4: I've gotten more intrigued because of what we allegedly have out here in Area 51
1: Did you sign a security statement? Say again? Again, I'll say, did you sign a security statement?
6: No, I was at the time uh, holding the highest possible security clearance available in the Air Force at my level, which was an SSIR clearance, and it um, allowed me access to special intelligence.
1: Are you violating anything by telling us what you're telling us?
6: No, because I'm not telling you anything that um, most of the reports were secret,
1: I'm, okay, that's why I asked you, um, a person reading them like yourself uh, would conclude what? That we are being visited, that there are extraterrestrials, that the, the UFOs are really craft of some sort, built by some kind of intelligence. Would you conclude that?
6: I would conclude that, and I would also deduce that there are many, many, many visits and sightings that have never been reported anywhere except in this data bank of files. Now, whether they've been subsequently reduced to microfish Destroyed or what have you? I really don't know. I've never followed up on it myself. I've been told that other people have tried to get to these files, but I haven't had the right nomenclature or coding, and have been turned down by the Air Force because they said we didn't we don't have these files.
1: So uh, filing a Freedom of Information Act, uh, even if you knew you were going after, would be of no use.
6: No, they have they have filed apparently Freedom of Information Acts with this agency asking for those reports. However, they've gotten back um, negative statements. They're not available. They're no longer available. They never were available. Um, you don't have the right file number, the right case number, the right sequence number. And,
0: of course, that's just a way of... All right.
1: Um, uh, let me try one more question. It's irresistible. You are familiar with the uh, the nomenclature.
0: Yes,
6: and I reported that to that gentleman in Florida. And I'm trying to think of his name. But I think he's it doesn't.
1: It does not matter. Uh, Director,
6: and he, but he's an Air Force type that was familiar with it and was going to search um, for a way to get. Uh, access to these files, if they still exist.
1: All right, look, um, I can't spend any more time with this right now, but I would like you to contact me either by mail or fax.
6: Yeah, I'm going to fax you because I've had a hell of a time trying to reach you. It's just virtually impossible to get rid any of the lines. I know, And I, I just know. recently started to try this with you.
1: All right, fax me, and, uh, and thank you. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi, Hi Art. How are you? Fine.
6: I'm
7: glad to hear it. So I wanted to find out how you liked XCOM. XCOM? The
1: file oh oh i i, <laughs> I loved it <laughs>
7: did you did you really yeah was the manipulation pretty interesting for you uh, as far as uh
1: you
7: know the going after, sending the the craft out to investigate the sites and whatnot Yes, I thought that was a pretty pretty accurate uh estimation of what you know if teams like that exist around the world, yes sir, You know what they would be doing I agree with you listen, I do a lot of volunteer work out here in spokane um anything from anything uh Including animal training with big cats like lions and tigers, all the way to uh, suicide prevention task force.
3: Right. And uh, that
7: young lady sounded rather I know. stressed tonight. I know. I felt really bad. I like. I wish there was something that I could do. But
3: uh,
7: obviously, there's no way, you know, for me here in Spokane to do anything about it. But
1: well, uh, hopefully she'll contact me.
7: Yeah, that would be nice. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, I just wanted to call and see how you liked the uh, the file and. If you got any enjoyment out of it. uh, Great
1: uh, enjoyment, and I surely appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for your show. Take care. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Yes.
11: Hey. Hey. Art. That's me. Hey, this is great. (laughs) Um, I've been listening to you all over the country, and I finally got a station that comes in clear, and I'm right at home. It's Twin Falls.
1: Twin Falls, Idaho. Idaho. Oh yes, that's right. We're on the air now, Twin Falls, right?
11: Yeah. I don't know how long you've been, but when we got home, here you were, and I thought, well, I don't have to listen to you b- b- out anymore. Yeah. yeah you're Twin such Falls. a good radio talk show host, and mm, well, probably my favorite a- of all of them. I don't listen to too many, but yours, and I, I, I really like to listen to Doc Democrat. And
1: oh, well, he hasn't been on this morning, has he? Oh
11: uh, no, I don't think so. And Charlie, and and Leonard, and. Um, you know, it's just fun to hear them, even though I don't always agree with what they say. I think Leonard has things pretty right, because I think he reads his Bible a lot and, mm-hmm. and uh, isn't too screwed up by well you Well, ca- he
1: occasionally may go off the extremist edge a little bit.
11: Well, I'm not sure. I haven't listened to him enough to know uh, exactly what he believes. If you really study his Bible, you will have things straight. And I feel kind of sorry for... People who are so caught up with all this UFO stuff, because I don't know, it seems like um, there's an intentional um, effort to be deceiving. Something is is uh, deceiving. Well, that's part. Uh, of it. I don't know. How, I don't have it all straight. Yeah, but...
1: but see, that's part of the draw. I mean, yeah, you yeah, know,
11: you're right. <laughs> what
1: people don't understand, uh, the curious ones want to know about.
11: Yeah, and see if it's true. Sure. And, and one thing I like about you, you don't just jump, jump to conclusions and say, well, this is the way it is. You still have your, except I kind of wish you were, you would believe in the Bible and the scriptures a little more. But uh, I don't. Uh, maybe I don't, one I don't, of these days you'll study it.
1: I don't, I don't, well, I have studied it, ma'am. I've oh, read, you have? Oh, I've read the Bible many times. Oh, I, well. I uh, don't disbelieve them. I don't uh I don't fully embrace them, and I don't reject them.
11: Yeah, that's well, not, you know, I know you're an agnostic, and, and that's yeah. kind of a terrible place to be in, because I was there once, and then finally I I truly, uh, you know, decided, or I accepted Christ as my Savior is what I did. And then I started reading the Scripture, and I thought, oh, this is true, this is true. You, and, then, and, and it seemed like His Spirit was communing with my spirit, and I just knew that it was true. See. But uh, I did go through an awful... Top see, dark period.
1: yeah it's see it's a, all right thank you it's an act of faith you see um, you accept it on faith I've never had that luxury I have this horrid horrid little intellectual thing that burdens me that I have to be able to lay my hands on I have to be able to see it and prove it and touch it and understand it and pick it apart and be able to be satisfied myself that This is so, whatever it is. And uh, it makes it very difficult for me to accept things uh, purely on faith. That's all. of the great Rockies you're on the air good hey, man from San Antonio yes sir hey
6: I'd like the committee you on your program tonight. It was very beautiful
1: I'm glad you enjoyed it
6: I got a couple of quick questions for you then a, then a, a short black helicopter story
1: no oh, I like those
6: okay first off whatever happened to that guy I believe was in uh, San Diego who uh, Got verification from the government of uh, some UFO activity. that uh, He was in the, the local news in uh, San Diego, I believe.
1: Um, he's still filing freedom of information requests, as far as I know, uh-huh. and still getting responses. So that's all I know right now.
6: Okay. Hey, you he had a great program tonight, Art. Now the black helicopter story. Uh, yes. Hey, I was coming home from the store. Yeah. And I got pulled over by a black 5.0 and a black. Uh, Jeep Cherokee, Grant. It was kind of crazy, Art. And they pulled me over, pulled me out of the car, and put me on the ground, handcuffed me. Didn't read me any rights or anything. Uh, asked them what the problem was, and they told me that that uh, I fit a description. And went through all this. And usually, uh, when you get pulled over or, or or handcuffed or anything like that, you know they'll read they'll you your rights or or give you kind of an idea. But these guys are very, you know, very stern and. Not when uh,
1: you get pulled over by the black helicopter, please. No,
6: <laughs> but yeah. it, was, it was. I mean, they had it was Bureau B A T F is what they were.
1: They were B A T F.
6: Yeah, and I try to, you know, try to report report it to them. At, I mean, report to the the local uh, police officers and stuff. And and they had no record of any A T F activity in in the city.
3: Of
1: course not.
6: Now I'm calling from New Orleans, as a matter of fact. Oh, I see. But. uh... My theory on the, the black helicopters is is that they they help out the uh, the local uh, police.
1: Well, I mean, you know, traditionally local police and uh, wowsy federal agencies like BATF uh, don't get along real well.
6: I, I don't think so, but I know that the the, the local police told me that the uh, the NOPD told me that they didn't have any uh, record of any uh, federal activity, and I, I gave a call to. Uh, of course, that, they don't. <laughs> The Louisiana FBI department, and, uh, and
1: even they, they might not know. Uh,
6: no, they said they didn't know, but it was it was, it was kind of strange, and it's it's kind of a, a different twist in the black helicopter. Uh,
1: well, I, I it. appreciate it. it. Is it is a new story, sir, and I appreciate it. Okay,
6: watch out for those black five point
1: Yes, sir. I, I've got you right. You don't frequently hear about them doing, in essence, traffic stops. So west of the Rockies, you're on the air.
8: Yeah, Art. Yes, that's me. This is uh, Sean calling from KNCR, Bakersfield, California. Oh,
1: uh, up in uh, where? Bakersfield. Oh, KNCR, yes.
8: Yeah. Um, I've been trying to get through for a while. Uh, The federal inmate that wrote you a letter. Oh, yes. About uh, certain things, certain callers didn't believe certain things he said.
1: I don't know if this is ominous or not, but I haven't heard from him lately.
8: Huh. I'm uh, calling... Calling to you right now from inside of one of California's finer institutions. You are? Yes. How, and, uh, how
1: can you make a cult this time of the morning?
8: Uh, I'm working. Well, I, I work. Oh, oh, oh in
1: other you. words, you're a guard? Yes. Oh, okay. I got you.
8: Um, everything you said is true, and then some. Really? Yes. That is 100%. Uh, it's all true. And if everybody knew, actually. With the access that these people have things to and all the things they have, just, no. just for one example, everybody that paroles in California, uh, we give them $200 when they leave. Really? $200 gate money when they leave. This comes from way back when, when they used to give them, you know, a new suit and, and bus fare.
1: Well, it, there has been inflation.
8: Yeah, yeah, $200 is a lot. Most of these people are returned from, I mean, they get this money and they get out and they buy more drugs and they come right back.
1: Well, um,. To twist an old phrase I've used in a commercial, you cannot buy a fine wool suit for $200 today. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That,
8: I, I like that commercial. Um, that things tough. even such as uh, they have rights to anything that is sent to them from a publisher. One guard found child pornography in somebody's locker,
3: Great. took it away from
8: him, and the word said, You will return this person's property because he received this.
1: Had to give the, the child pornography
3: back.
8: Yes. Because you receive this, he received this legally from a publisher, sealed from the publisher in the mail, and he has a right to this. Anything from a publisher, and I don't see how somebody can have a right to that.
1: Who's got it better, the guys on the inside or you?
8: Oh, fully them. So I mean, as they say, three hots in a cot, uh, laundry, everything is provided for them. Uh, schools, computer class, uh, GED classes. I've got to get up and go to work. I, I got, I got bills to pay. You know, I've got. Life, i got crazy people on the streets to deal with. They far have it easier. Get to work out three times a day, go to bed, sleep when they want, get up when they want.
1: (sighs) Well, like I said, I haven't heard from them.
8: (laughs) I just uh, couldn't believe certain people called and said that... uh,
1: I wonder if somebody had a talk with them.
8: Yeah, I, it could, could have very well happened because uh, they don't. If everybody knew what went on in here, there would definitely be a lot more public upcry about it, and I couldn't believe the people that called and, oh, this can't be going on, oh, this can't be going on. It's going on beyond your wildest dreams. You cannot begin to imagine ice machines, microwaves. I'm looking at them right now.
1: All right, sir. I appreciate your uh, uh, cooperating in story. Thank you very much for the call. That is truly, truly sickening. Uh, west of the Rockies, you're on the air.
12: Uh, Doc, Democrat.
1: Well, I'll be damned.
12: Well, good morning, Art.
1: Talk about it the last minute.
12: Hey, wasn't that outstanding leadership last night by the president? <laughs> I mean, he <laughs> set down I, a deadline. I
1: am relevant. I am relevant.
12: Well, he set down a welfare deadline <laughs> for the uh, Senate Republicans. Yeah. Fourth of July, and so Bob Doe can't play his little uh, stalling games. Uh you know President Clinton was the guy. So, that was that issues.
1: stalling games or Stalin games? It sounded suspiciously like Stalin. No,
12: no, no, no.
1: No, uh, stalling.
12: Right. Delaying games, how's that?
1: I see, that's that clears it. Up. But
12: anyhow, uh this president uh, uh you know he he's going to get some action done here on these issues because uh uh you know for uh, 2 years the Republicans filibustered everything he wanted to do. Yeah. All these ideas, half of these ideas that the Republicans are doing. Were bill clinton's ideas
1: stolen, uh, they you mean stolen from bill clinton
12: yeah exactly they filibustered it when See, he was in power a with a Democrat what a life
1: thing to do the republicans stole bills ideas that's right and now now he's but you know, only thing, veto I, bill the only thing, there's just one thing i don't understand about all that what's that? if they stole his ideas then like how come he's threatening to veto them
12: uh, because they changed him and made him so radical because they're such radical people that uh, he has to change them to get them back into the mainstream.
3: I but, see. I
12: mean that's just uh, uh, you know common sense. But I mean, uh, I-, I think this president is going to get every one of his campaign promises done by '96.
1: Do you think Bill Clinton could cross a cattle guard?
12: Cross a cattle guard?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
12: Uh, certainly. Why uh, not,
1: Doc? Tell America good night. We're all done.
12: Good night, everybody. <laughs>
1: Oh boy. Maybe nothing will save us. That'll do it. We're out of time. I'm sorry everybody. We live and die by the clock, and now it's die time. So from the high desert, behalf of all of those out there who make this program possible. (laughs) Thank you. Good night.